on the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are hanging out with soap royalty in the form of Helena Bonham Carter in Nolly on ITVX, taking an ill-fated trip in Dear Edward on Apple, and we're back on the bench with Brian Cranston in the second season of Your Honour on Paramount+. Plus. Plus, Joe Cornish is on the pod this week to chat things that go bump in the night in Lockwood & Co. And the legendary Russell T. Davis is with us to talk all things Nolly. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters and a podcast that was very disappointed that this week's Oscars did not recognise Happy Valley in every single category, which is film snobbery. That's what I'm saying there. Uh, still, we are gathered here today uh, once more, in spite of all that. I am joined, as ever, by my two co-hosts, survivor of most annoying people, 2009 Kay Ribeiro. Hello. And British historian and professor and fellow of Trinity College, Cambridge, <laughs> Boyd Hilton. So oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's good. Yeah. Didn't you steal that? Oscar's joke from Alex Godfrey, your colleague on Empire Magazine. I did, yes. 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 Shameless. Re- look, look, I'm environmentally Shameless. friendly. I'm a green, a green yeah. person. I'm recycling <sighs> gags. And speaking of recycled gags, <laughs> we have a... Another person with us here this what? week, mainly because we only just recorded the Empire podcast, and despite my entreaties, he has failed to leave. <laughs> Chris Hewitt remains in the studio, Woo-hoo. skulking in a corner, because he wants to see how the professionals do it. Isn't that right, Chris? It's pronounced... Ribeiro. Yeah, he knows. See, he knows. Technically speaking. Rebiro, I think. Yeah, Rebiro. I was writing the other day and I thought to myself, Rebiro. Absolutely. Um, Hello. Hello, everybody. This has been fascinating. I've gay crashed many a pilot, but always. As an avid listener. As As an an avid avid listener. listener, Mm, And whenever I do listen, I I cycle through the first three or four hours uh, (laughs) to get to the end. It's the theme music that really gets me. But yeah, I've never actually been around for the the beginning. And that was was quite good. Although you did tell me not to interrupt you. Yes, I did. Which is absolutely outrageous because you just interrupt (laughs) me constantly when I'm introducing you on the on the, uh, the other one, the, the other Emperor one. podcast. The other, the other podcast. Uh, can I just also, also say, why do you call Boyd and Kay your co-hosts when co-pilots is right there? Well, yeah. you know, oh, it's a bit first good, point. good note. I, to be fair, I use co-pilots quite a lot, but I like to mix it up. See, mm-hmm. I've used co-pilots on our uh, occasional Empire pilot crossovers. Yes. Uh, one of which mm. is out right now. That's right. Our exact extraordinary, fans. extraordinary one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. <laughs> An sure. extraordinary special podcast. <laughs> we made sure it was extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, really good show. Yeah, I, I, we had fun with that. Yeah, we had great good, show. Yeah. We, we yeah. say the name, well, we say the name Jizzlord numerous times. Numerous times, yes. There's a lot and of, of Jizzlords. Yeah. That sound crazy. you can hear is Walt Disney's frozen head <laughs> spinning oh. in fury. Doing what? It is true. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Walt Disney's frozen hand yeah. Jizzlord. Covered yeah. in Jizzlord. Oh. Anyway, uh, Disney, if you will. Something <laughs> I should probably say, Chris, we start the podcast every week with a little section we like to call What We've Been Watching. I know. Where we talk about <laughs> shows that we've been watching. Now, TV shows. Again, just to be clear, TV shows. Shows are the small films that come in multiple parts <laughs> and often, you know, one a week. Right. So, so have you been watching any of these small movie films that you can tell us about? <laughs> well, Jimbo, as you may or may not know, my life has changed recently. Uh, my wife and I have adopted a little girl uh, who I did mention this week's podcast. So I'm going to say a little drinking game. There are people who probably don't listen to the Amper podcast who have no idea who, who I am and are going, what the hell is happening here? Anyway, <laughs> who let the I host going? the other yeah. one about the, the big TV shows that, that people show on screen. So mm-hmm. I, host, I host the Amper podcast. Anyway, we have a young daughter and she is bang into Muppet Babies at the moment. Oh, Muppet yes. Babies yeah. on Disney Plus and not Muppet Babies, the... 2D 
cartoon that came out in the 1980s with one of the great theme tunes of all time, you know. Muppet babies, <laughs> uh-huh. they make the dreams come true. When <laughs> your room looks kind of weird and you wish that you weren't there, <laughs> just close your eyes okay. and enough. make believe. Enough, enough, enough. That one. That's no, that one. coming. Yeah. Thank you for that. was Miss Piggy, secondly. But, uh, but, <laughs> but secondly, it, this is the 3D CG yes. version, yes. the redo that is on Disney Plus right now, ran for three seasons, finished last year with a great episode called The Muppet Show Show, which I would How did they come genuinely put into the annals of great final episodes. And I said annals, Boyd, before you, you start. <laughs> you love an uh, annal. It's really good. And I was dismissive of it at first because, yeah. you know, I was so wedded to the Muppet Babies that, you know, I grew up with. And this CG, CG, Muppets shouldn't be in CG anyway. No, no. But it's so good. It's so funny and it's so affectionate. And it's got so much knowledge of Muppet lore and there's so many great cameos and it's really funny. And frankly, it's doing a better job of parenting Little Drinking Game <laughs> and teaching her what's right and what's wrong in the universe yeah. than than I am. Sorry, was that episode like in a kind of like a postmodern self-aware knowing way, calling it the Muppet Show show? Or yes, yeah. they're, they're, it's the, not to give spoilers away, but you know, no. they're basically, they're at sort of Muppet nursery yeah. and they have the Muppet nanny, Miss Nanny, voiced by Jenny Slate, although I believe she was on time. Thank you. And <laughs> no. they, at the end, yes, Kay, <laughs> no. yes, very much. Come on. Yes, very much. Yes. <laughs> and at the end of the Muppet Babies show the arc of it is that they're all going away for summer and Kermit is aghast at this and he thinks he'll never see his friends again and so he wants to extend the bliss Mm. so he sabotages they put on the Muppet show their their version of this this cabaret this review show and he starts sabotaging the show so he will get to spend more time with his friends and then there's a really lovely genuinely lovely heartwarming ending and it's just so much fun and there's so many genuinely Low. What's the what's the word? You know, when you're deep cut, yeah. deep cut cameos wow. from people who like blinking, you miss some appearances in Muppet movies, and they're they're all showing up in this. It's so good, and it got cancelled. Have you ever interviewed a Muppet? Yes. Yes. In fact, we had both Pepe the Prawn and Kermit the Frog on the Empire podcast. Yes, we did. And I very much enjoyed interviewing both of them together. You did them together. Too. I did them together. And yeah. I remember very much, very clearly, the guys were like, uh, they went in, the, the, the guys who were their handlers. Their handlers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they said, you don't, we don't need the puppets, right? And I was like, are you fucking what? serious? And I was like, you absolutely do. Because he was like, it's an audio medium. We don't actually need the puppets. I was like, yeah, but- yes. No. And so I spent the entire thing obviously addressing the puppets and ignoring the people standing yeah, behind them. It was it was glorious. Yeah. So this was Steve Whitmire who would have been back then, right? If you like. Who was the uh, who was the voice of Kermit after Jim Henson died? Yeah. And then it was most recently been replaced by a man whose name temporarily escapes me, but he voices Constantine in Muppets Most Wanted. And the guy in Muppets I Most thought, Wanted... I swear when you said Constantine, I thought you meant John Constantine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sadly not. But uh, the guy in Muppets Most Wanted is a Constantine looks exactly like Kermit, but sounds nothing like him. <laughs> and so the fact... Eric Fogel, I think, might be his name. And so the fact right. that they have got him to voice Kermit, and he doesn't sound anything yeah. like Kermit the Frog. You sound more like Kermit the Frog than that guy, yeah. When your confirm. room looks kind of yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah. You, you do a pretty good job. You should. This could be an offshoot career for you. You could. I, I'm going for Rick and Morty. 
40. Oh. <laughs> I mean, they're open. That was yeah. Yeah. There is a slot <laughs> let's open, not get into so, that. Yeah, let's maybe not get into that. All right, so I have a question while you're here, Chris, because obviously, you know, we, we josh a lot about TV versus film on the Empire Podcast, but I would like to ask you, like, you are a man who loves your films and you do watch TV, but your predominant genre of TV is the reality cooking type thing. <laughs> so my question for you is, what is it about, like, dramatic TV that, bar a few key shows like Blue Bloods and Better Call Saul, you largely <laughs> avoid... Which are both in the pantheon. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, yeah, both on a level. I don't show those has to be. Anything, anything has to be given a B. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, what is it that draws you to MasterChef The Rivals over, you know... The <laughs> Rivals? Oh, James. <laughs> that could be a new fact, right? <laughs> Thinking about it. I know. It's quite a good... It's quite a good... MasterChef at first sight Australia. All of those shows, all of those things. Can I ever tell you, I had a great idea for a culinary-based quiz show. Right. That was going to be called Cuisine. And Yay. it began with the name first, and right. then I, I retconned it That's into a great, a great concept. Yeah. Yeah. But it was basically going to be, it was a bit like, I guess, pointlessism. It was like taking little bits of quiz shows and then just making mm. them you know, into something else. But it also combined a quiz show with a cooking show so that a, a top chef would team up with a member of the public every single week. And, and the first round would be about winning the ingredients that they're going to cook with. And so if you're stuck with a real, like, idiot, you're going to be, you know, given it like a tin of beans. And some mama. But if you're stuck with like a, like a Boyd, mm. like someone who's very, very smart and learned uh, in the ways of the world, then you're going to get two tins of beans. <laughs> so this was a great idea. And we even took it out to someone and they went, this is a great idea, but we're already making it. And it never appeared. Did you see proof that they were going to make it? I did. I, I, saw, I saw a thing. Idea. It, was called, it wasn't called cuisine. It was called something like win it and eat it or something like that. It was something <laughs> dreadful. Why and not? It, it, the best I, thing about that whole thing is cuisine, the title. Cuisine, the quiz. It's Precisely, a great right? title. It's a great title. Yeah, why, you, they probably did that for legal reasons. They probably didn't want you to sue them. Well, yeah. Yeah. The title yeah. And yeah. Not, yeah. So if you're listening to this, TV people, and I know TV people listen to this most of, of accident, but, yeah. you know, I have a great idea for a quiz show. That is so a good get idea. in touch with me. You know, I could be the next Richard Osman. You could. When you took it out to people, what do you mean? Did you see like Google TV producers? No, I like, went to a friend who actually has contacts in the TV world and then he pitched it to someone. Who would host it? Me, Kelly. Oh, obviously. obviously. Sorry, I don't know why yeah. you said that. Yeah, of course. No, I am going to be the next Richard Osman. Chris <laughs> Hewitt's House of Games 2.0. Anyway, James, in answer to your question, which I believe was um, phrased last year, I love reality shows. I love the cooking shows because I, I, I love food. I love cooking. I love watching cooking. <laughs> I don't like cooking myself. I love watching really talented people uh, express that talent and express themselves. And is that why you're here today? To watching us do <laughs> this is why I'm here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you have you watched? I mean, it is horrendously ridiculous and, and um, tacky. But the new Gordon Ramsay one on ITV. No, I don't like the lighting. Yeah, the lighting is it's very American. I'm no, sorry, yeah, American I'm sorry. Oh, okay, lighting, so, yeah. hold up, roll back. <laughs> The lighting. What? Explain to me the lighting. This is next level chef, too, by the way. It's too glossy. It's, it's too glossy. It is too very glossy. glossy. So it needs it's to got, be. You need mood lighting. For yeah. Your no, I like. I like my Ramsay, but I want my Ramsay to be having a nightmare in the kitchen. Right. Yeah. I love when I when yeah. I lived oh, in the nightmare states. Nightmare kitchens is amazing. Oh yeah. my god, yeah, I was so addicted to yeah. kitchen nightmares, USA. Yeah. yeah. That's um, what it's called. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Whatever it's called. Kitchen nightmares, USA. Before we started, not to pull back the curtain too much, but Boyd was having problems remembering the name of the new M Night Shyamalan film, which is called Knock at the Door. But it was Knock at the Door. There's a there's a Cabin over there. There's somebody at the door. A cabin in the woods. Um. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I clearly. have early onset forgetfulness. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah. yeah. Next level chef, but you're right. It is too American. It's got a very American glossy mm. look to it, which is annoying. There's a veneer of, of Americanness to it all, and it is quite it's tacky. Of, it's the Ramsay effect. Yeah, it is a bit. Yeah, but 
it's still a, it's still a kind of a good, a good format. Yeah. But basically, you spend more time now watching cooking competition shows on TV than you do watching films. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that, absolutely that is true, absolutely accurate. Yeah. Yeah. It is it is a source of much pain to me that Chris, almost as a point, I think purely to vex me, refuses to watch so many. Let's be honest, all of the great TV shows yeah. that are coming Name out. One great TV uh, show apart uh, from Andor that I have refused to watch. Well, I mean, all of the other Succession. shows that aren't medical. Do you watch Succession? No, Succession. I was busy that night. Also, a Great British. Menu was on, so no. I've seen, <laughs> like, I've seen the great British menu is always on. It's true. it's true, but you did watch. You did watch the first three minutes of the Last uh, yes. of Us. Success, success, great success. Uh, yeah, I've watched the first three oh, minutes yeah, of the yeah, Last yeah. of Us. The the bit with John Hanna, uh, John Hanna completed. <laughs> and ironically, that's the part in the game where Chris died. So that's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Lockwood and Co. You what? You know, you know. Yeah, Adam yeah. and Joe. You watch Joe. Yeah, Joe yeah stuff. I'm, I'm aware of. You going to watch Lockwood and Co. The oeuvre of uh, Joe Cornish. Yeah. I will. I will get round to it. Okay. Uh, at some point. Well, funnily enough, spoiler alert. In the interview with him on this very podcast, yeah. I asked him whether he's into. Whether he's kept up with like premium TV, and he actually said no. I he doesn't watch, watch any. He TV doesn't watch all. any TV either. Oh, so you're in good company. Yeah, he still he watches like one or two films a night, and still absolutely prioritizes one film over TV. One or two films a night. Yeah, yeah. That's wow. what I said. Yeah. That's yeah. dedication, Chris. That is 730 films a year. That's good math. Also, by the it's way, not... I should say about the uh, now, now that I mention it, remember it. There's a bit in that podcast if you don't if you're in the interview with Joe, if you don't cut it out, <laughs> where which won't make any sense at all unless right. you, unless you listen to Adam's podcast once a year that he does with Joe on Christmas right. Day. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad yeah, that you yeah, put yeah. really niche in jokes. In yeah. There. It's a very niche. Good. <laughs> it's a bit indulgent. <laughs> it's almost as indulgent as playing the same interview three times within the same <laughs> podcast, but not quite. Yes. Which Chris may or may not have done on a recent episode of the Empire Podcast. If you like, know and bow back. And that is the episode for yeah. you. It really is. And now, here's Noah Bomba. Indeed, indeed. Noah, what Can have you, you been watching recently? Uh, uh, but no, what, what have what have the rest of us been watching? Kate, tell us, what have you been watching? There is no judgment on my face. There is no judgment in my voice. I will accept anything you say. Well, inspired by us um, chatting on Plus and talking about sport documentaries at all, I decided to revisit because I hadn't really... I think I watched the first and second episode. Welcome to Wrexham. Do you remember? I don't know if we talked about it at the time when it came out. The Rob McElhenney and uh, Ryan Reynolds. Have you watched it, Chris? No, no, but I I hear very, very good things. Yeah, it's really, I really like it. I mean, it's the whole process of them purchasing the football club and the obstacles that came in their way. But also you get to like know the history of the club. You get to know the fans. So you go on the journey with them. And do you know what? I have to say, Boyd, I Mm. owe you apology. Oh, good. For the first time ever, I was watching these matches and I was it was so excruciating, intense and heartbreaking. And I thought, mm. oh my God, this is what you go through every week uh, supporting Arsenal. Mm. And I thought, I've never shown you any sympathy, but being a football supporter is tense and it's hard. So I... It's excruciating, particularly for small Liverpool right now. But um, oh, oh wow, <laughs> you have one little flush. It's not even it's not even full blown success. Full blown success. You lead the league at the halfway stage. Yeah. And you think you can throw yeah. shade in my direction? Oh, yeah. I've got a soft spot for Arsenal, boy. My oh, wife's thanks. a Gooner. Oh, my dad yeah, was great. a Gooner. I have a soft spot for Liverpool as well. My best friend's a Liverpool fan. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish your yeah. club no will. Thank you. Same. But well, if you carry beautiful. on in this vein, I will. No, I, 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 I. Do you know what? I genuinely, this has gone a bit football. Sorry, sorry, sorry everyone. It's almost like there's another podcast. I know. (laughs) But you know what? Welcome to Wrexham. We had loads of people tweeting us and tweeting me saying we should do more on Welcome to Wrexham. Oh, it's so good. But because he, I'm to Jane, is so anti football that we couldn't really discuss it very much. Okay, I'm going to share a football fact with you. I'm going to share a football fact with you right now. You ready? Our very own editor, Darren, (gasps) is doing a football thing 
tomorrow, specifically, ah. specifically looks up Bradford City, <laughs> who I can only assume is his team, yeah. but he is the match day announcer ah, for Bradford funny. City. No way. That Absolutely true. Is Bradford he? City, who that are, of course, impressive. in the mm, league. Uh, I don't, I don't, are they in a league? What are they? They will, they will be in a league. They're in I a league. believe they might be in League One. Okay. Hmm. League One, which is, which one, is actually but not league the three. Premier League. So, uh, fine. Yeah. Hang on. So there's, what's between Premier and One? Between Premier and One, there's the Championship. Oh, football is so fucking stupid. Now, the Championship used to be Division One. <laughs> but then surely the... Division One used to be Division One. <laughs> but then the league trophy became sentient and self-aware and split <laughs> off and became the Premier League. I just don't understand. And then they rebranded everything else. So the Division Two became the Championship. <laughs> stop, division stop Three became like League One. I know. And Division Four became League Two. It's just, it's just nonsense. It's Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney's Wrexham AFC are currently oh. top, I believe, Boyd. Yeah, they're yeah. top. Are, of, they, is, are they in League Two? Or did they get, they went up to League Two last year? So in the league, league, league below, in the, yeah, Bradford City. In, the, in League One, yeah, they're in... League Two. League Two. Yeah. They're in League Two. No, League One, sorry. Le- no, they're not oh in League my God. One. Are they not? They're in League Two. Okay, hey, sh- I, I, <laughs> anyway. I, at no point are you allowed to stop the podcast and look this up. Like, that's it. Let's move on. Bradford, Let's move that on. can confirm a seventh in League Two. Seventh in League Two, right. Yeah. Okay, so are okay. they above or below Wrexham? This is now clearly important information. Yes, thank you. That's amazing. So if if I'm ever up Bradford way, yes, and yeah. say for example, it's very unlikely that Liverpool are drawn to play against Bradford, <laughs> and I want tickets to go see Liverpool thrash a living day out of Darren Bradford, might be able to hook you up. Darren will be able to hook me yeah, up, maybe, mm-hmm. or at the very least, give you a shout out over the tannoy. And does he announce it in a sort of Yorkshire styley? Hey, there's some re- good players on pitch. <laughs> I did. Oh I did request God. that he do it do at not. maximum partridge, uh, to which he said always. So, uh, so that's we've scored a goal. Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. What is happening now? It's There's hard to say. It's hard he's to... actually, by the way, what? he's actually a Leeds fan. He's got a Leeds podcast, which I've been on every time what, Leeds Darren? play Arsenal. Yeah, Darren. Darren's, so Bradford City is not his team. I, um, I mean, I guess it's kind of local nearby, so he's doing it on a professional basis. I see. Yeah, yeah. I see. No, he's got his own Leeds podcast. He's been transferred. Yeah, yeah. Which, see, that, was, that was football parlance. Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. Yeah, look, look, let's 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 drag this podcast kicking and screaming back into the world of television. Kay, had you finished? It's hard to say at this point. I mean, I don't even know. Right, I can see okay. why these recordings go two hours. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I would. Dis- I'm going to describe you right now as a disruptive influence. So, so that that is <laughs> what you are. Again, you are hot kettle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So as this, I should point out, as this podcast goes out, it will be Monday. It will be Monday, Monday of the week of next. And something is happening on Thursday of the week of next, Christopher. What is that? Well, thank you, James. I'm just about to leave. So I will do one last plug and then go, uh, which is we are doing episode 550 yes. of the Empire podcast. 550, 11 years of the Empire Podcast, and we're celebrating in the time-honoured fashion by going to King's Place, our spiritual home, the place that, frankly, you sullied with uh, <laughs> Pilot 200 <laughs> just a few months ago. And it's going to be an absolutely belting show. It's on Thursday. We usually do a weekend show, but this time we're doing it on a Thursday, on a school night, Thursday, February 2nd. Who are the guests? Not telling you. Tell it's us. a secret. Tell us. It's a secret. Have you booked any guests? It's entirely possible. I don't know who they are. <laughs> right. Yeah. Boyd, are, are you, you available? I Thursday? am available. Are you calling your mates on the Wednesday evening? Uh, I have not so far gone through the Rolodex. Okay. I, okay. I don't want to do that yet. Okay. The Rolodex is hovering. Yeah. But if you're vaguely famous and <laughs> give me your contact details at any point, then beware of a text or a, or a spicy DM. <laughs> Uh, Kermit, twenty four. Kermit, get me, Kermit. <laughs> What's Kermit? Up oh to? no! <laughs> <laughs> but if you want this kind of banter, then that is the place to be. Do buy your tickets. There are some left. Are oh, all the live stream, and you can watch it in your own home. Kingsplace.co.uk. Yeah. That's right. There you go. 
yeah, come along. We would be delighted to see you. We are nearly sold out, so we'd love to get there to that point. And then you can go see us on the stream as well. Okay. And it's going to be a cracking, cracking evening, despite James's presence. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And Chris will be there too. I will be there as well. But come yeah. anyway. Shall I go? Yes. All right. Please do. I'll go. Please. Oh, it's been fun. Please remove yourself. Mm. This, is, this has been fun. You know, I should do this more. Yeah. Often. Yes. Do you know what? Do. You've learned a valuable lesson now. Now you can stop taking the piss out of James every time he says, stop, I'll let TV podcast this week on the Empire podcast. You can <laughs> teach it. You can deal with respect that he deserves, yeah. kind of, maybe. Because when you've, he's you've been here, as you have said, watching people at the top of their craft yeah. performing. Yeah. As you like. Yeah, that's it. See chancers. You're all a bunch of feckin' chancers. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast the professionals, that's our show. <laughs> Podcast, Podcast the traitors. More yeah, like. possibly that. Talking of which, that is what I've been watching, by the way. I know oh. you're getting around to it. Yeah, I've been watching the traitors, US. That's the okay. reaction, yeah. Come on. I mean, I don't know what you want me to say to that. Yes, no, I want you I to say, know. I want you to come up with your usual snobbish, you know, patronising uh, verdict <laughs> on anything to do with reality TV, but... All I'll say is, so the, the Traitors was a huge phenomenon, which we covered a little bit, as much as James would let us on this very program, sure. when it was a massive pop culture phenomenon on BBC One. Was it late last year? Beginning of this uh, year? Crossed over a bit, didn't it? From yeah, Christmas to New Year, yeah. Um, we thought he would come and hosting. They've acquired the American version, I think we mentioned as a new, news item a few weeks ago. Which uh, at first, I was really grumpy about, because I was like, no, we will keep... Yeah, until you pointed out, it means that actually then Traitors would be on more. All throughout the year. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, actually. Well, they're showing it, interestingly, they're showing it on um, late on BBC One, they're showing it on BBC Three, and it's all on iPlayer. So you can watch as I watched it at mm. my leisure on iPlayer. But okay. is it any good? And it is really, really good. Better than the English it's, version. So this is what I'd say. It's pretty much as good as the British version all along. Alan Cumming is the host. He's very different to Claudia, obviously, <laughs> wearing an array of quite extraordinary outfits, by the way. Mm. But he's fun. You know how all the, the British one, all the contestants were basically like estate agents and stuff. Mm. And, you know, they were kind and what, of... other professions as well. Yeah. But there was, a, there was about four or five estate agents at one point, as what far as I can what, remember. There were a lot of okay, fucking... Fine. Oh, yeah. You, believe me, there were estate agents on that show. But there were also like would-be actors and kind of people like that. But the American version... About half of them are previous reality TV stars. Like people who've taken part in Survivor, shows like that, which you'd have heard of Survivor, James, yeah. And The Great Race, all the shows that we, we talked a little the bit about. The stuff you talked to Yeah, we talked about it last the week, week yeah. or the week before. But the thing is, it doesn't make any difference to us British viewers because we don't know them anyway. Or at least I don't. I don't, we know. We, and I think Survivor and those particular kinds of American reality shows are shown over here, unless you really want to find them, in which case you can. So, that is a different, slightly different, they're slightly different, but to us, they're just American, you know, over-the-top Americans kind of thing. But do the normals, like mm. the civilians, mm. treat those guys yeah, differently? Yeah. No, well, I mean, to some extent, sometimes maybe, but not really, no, oh, no okay. not, not massively. The tasks are literally exactly the same. So, you know, like in the final, they go to that lake, you know, mm. in Scotland, and they try have to go and find objects to get treasure from that bit. What I would say, so it's about the same, it's probably, I would say all along, most of the way, the British version is slightly better, but it's still an incredibly well thought out format. It's such a great format. And the final, the finale, which I watched last night, is better than the British finale. And no. you know how good the British finale That's was? That's not possible. It is. No. You see, Kay knows, some of the listeners will know, the, the finale of The Traitors oh this, my God, the was amazing. Oh my God, the finale was mind-blowingly oh my, honestly, good. It was like yeah. the best hour of TV. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. You can roll your eyes as much as you want. Just kill me. Yeah, I've, had, I've had Hewitt, and now yeah. I've got this. You've no. had cooking Hewitt, programs, football, Muppets, cooking programs, football. now reality TV. If anyone is still listening to this podcast, yeah. I will be astonished. It's a personal attack on you. It is. It was so. No, honestly, I, Kate, I, I watch it. I don't believe you. No, watch it. 
How could it be better? Because I, I can't, I can't spoil it, but it's absolutely brilliant. The finale, the finale. It's to it. do with. No, I'm not going to spoil it. It's to do with the who's involved, and you know, the finale is when basically at some point the people who aren't. Tra- the people, all the people left, like the four or five contestants left, mm. have to decide: are there any traitors left in their midst? If they don't think there are, because there's like a handful of traitors, three, four, five maximum. <laughs> in fact, whether or not they know how many traitors there are at, at any point is a really interesting point in the show. It's a really interesting element because uh, I, I think in the British show they kind of didn't really go into that. They didn't really. They kind of avoided that, and it does make a difference. Anyway, it's brilliant the finale, and so now I just can't wait for the next series of Traitors UK, which will be coming along this year at some point. Just want to sorry. A live so that is what I've been watching. I'm sorry. In my relaxation time, I've, it's you know you got to watch stuff away from the full thing. And the other thing I was going to mention is you, which we will be reviewing. I think in the plus because the I think the um, embargo is the day it comes out, right. one, which is a Thursday the yeah. 9th. So I'm going to do the annoying thing where people which we'll often complain about when we talk about whatever you watch. We talk about stuff you can't see yet, listeners. But I have watched you for a preview. <laughs> I had to write of it, and I can't review. Obviously, it's embargoed. But what I will say is the guy who played um, among the cast. It's all set in London. This 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 series, which is very interesting and it gives it a whole different vibe. And a bit in Paris, there are flashbacks to stuff that happened in Paris. But it's like a Euro- his European vacation, basically. And there's uh, the actor who played um, Lucas Gage. He played the guy in the White Lotus Series One, who ends up having that sexual act at the end of that episode. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that con- that incredible scene <laughs> at the end of that episode. You'll, you'll know what I mean with the hotel boss, played by um, thinking Murray from, Bartlett. Murray Bartlett from The Last of Us. So that and actor, Farscape. yeah. And Farscape, exactly. So that actor, Lucas Gage, that young guy, is has a has a brilliant role in you. And I'm I know maybe I probably shouldn't use the word brilliant because we're embargoed, but I'm saying it anyway. He has a fantastic role in you. You're definitely gonna get in trouble for that. I'm not, I won't, I won't. And so no spoilers, but yeah. That, that's, <laughs> no spoilers, that's, but it's brilliant. Yeah. No, I'm just saying his role. I could mean like, oh, you know, I've just seen the trailer and I've I've worked out that his role is brilliant. But it is. So yeah, I was very excited to watch that. Can I just add one more thing? Oh, I'm, please yes, do. Yes, sorry. No, James, <laughs> oh, my God. No, this Stroppy. Is, this is off-brand as well, guys. <laughs> oh, God. Should I leave? I'll come back. You just no, gesture and I'll, I'll return. Just a little shout-out to my friend, yeah. not my friend, Jon Snow. Not the character. Jon Snow. The newsreader. How to Live to 100. I don't know if anyone watches this two-part documentary, <laughs> which I think, I think we could all do with. Looking into this, I need Boy, to know how to live to fifty six. Let alone hundred. I was looking at him. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Two part documentary, yeah, and he goes around the world, Greece, Japan. No, oh, I it's bet he really does. Really interesting. He has a lovely and old he's, time. He's such a legend. It's really interesting. So I would highly recommend if you just you know want to extend your life for a bit longer. I mean, because this is certainly diminishing and <laughs> making your life dwindle. This I've podcast. aged at least a yeah, decade in the mm. last twenty minutes. Don't. So yeah, yeah. As soon as you started talking about football, I was like, you made me s- dislike the show I was talking about because I thought oh god actually it's quite boring now football isn't it <laughs> charming <laughs> yeah I mean she's not wrong okay, absolutely fine. wrong I mean the thing is the worst thing is is that some of the things I've watched are now off brand so I feel like we've just ruined the podcast because I watched the second episode of Planet Sex with Cara Delevingne uh, randomly oh, wow uh, I mean what a hypocrite well, no, I, you I, rolling I, your eyes <laughs> at our yeah. choices you picked a completely off brand <laughs> I did thing. I did so do you know what oh, I'm just going to say I watched it and I'm not going to talk about it no so, you've no, got to talk no, about it no no I'm not going to I'm going to talk about something <laughs> that I did 
can't see episode two. I've, I can't remember. I've watched some of them. Yeah, watch, watch it's, the it's the Out and Proud. It's the, it's the gay where she explores uh, her bisexuality. Yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. She goes to a festival and sticks a probe in various intimate places. Let's not dwell on that particular thing. Let's talk about Interview with the Vampire. So Interview with the Vampire, the center screen is for last year. They expired. We've got new ones. Those expired. I've finally got screeners that were. I have watched the first, just the first episode of Interview with the Vampire. And it's not embargoed, frankly, because it's been out in the States for, what, six months or something. Has yet to come to the UK. In fact, in fact, the other show in the immortal universe, The Mayfair Witches, uh, has also aired in the US, not to quite such critical acclaim. Uh, But we don't know when any of these things are coming to the UK. We don't know where they're coming to the UK either. At some point, they should do because Interview the Vampire is really, really good. And it very much reimagines the story for a slightly more... The original book, I think, was written in 1976. Uh, So it's been reimagined in terms of its era, its setting, its characters have been updated, their relationships have changed slightly. So it does feel like a proper modern updating of this story. And while those things don't often work, it really does work here. Even for someone who who knows Mm. the story incredibly well, Interview the Vampire is one of my favourite films. I love the books. Like I was surprised by this while also finding it comfortingly familiar so I watched the first episode yeah yeah, uh, and isn't it, it good yeah it's very good mm. but did inter- <laughs> we discuss Interview with the Vampire being one of your favourite films because it's obviously quite oh an, I've definitely mentioned it's quite it a mediocre film it's not it's a I mean, fantabulous it film it's quite me- and, but also what the, one of the best things about the TV show about yep. the first is that it completely does it avoids what that film did which was completely gloss over the sexuality element of it and completely focuses and brings to the fore that key element of well, the book. Do you know what's really funny? It's that someone had tweeted me about this saying, yeah, they do whole new things with the story. They introduce a whole homoerotic angle. And that really threw me because I'm like, oh. these books could not be more homoerotic <laughs> right. if they tried. But you're absolutely right. The Neil Jordan film does. Yes. I mean, it doesn't erase it completely. It tiptoes around oh, it. I like mean, it's very yeah. coy yeah. about the fact that it's exactly. a gay story. Exactly. And, it, you know, and, it, which is, and it's fan, fantastic in print. And you're right, that's probably the one thing the film definitely doesn't work on. Also, the fact that Armand, who is, let's be honest, a red-haired teenage boy, is played by Antonio Banderas. But, uh, <laughs> you know, which is obviously brilliant casting. But I, lo- I love that film. I love Elliot Goldenthal's score. I love the way it's shot. It's beautiful. I love the acting. I know Brad Pitt had the most miserable experience in his entire acting life making that film. But I had a much better time watching it. Mm. So... Okay. Uh, I enjoy okay. it an awful lot. I, I, I love it a lot. But I, yeah, so I love the, the series. Show I thought, is better it, was, than the I thought film. it was, and just it wrong footed me from the off. Just the way the interview structure is presented. Mm, yeah, yeah. That yeah. it's not as the original story where he sits down with an interviewer. He's met this interviewer before. It's ended badly, and then decades later, he picks up with again for almost like a second interview. So not only is it reinventing it, it's almost incorporating the fact that it's kind of a do over into the narrative. And I think that's very very smart. So, yeah, yeah, I'm in the tank for Interview with the Vampire and I very much look forward to us at some point reviewing it, probably, when it airs, (sighs) ever, here in the UK, uh, which is slightly maddening. But uh, but anyway, and I want to talk about one more thing while we're here because we are going out here on Monday, as is our one. (laughs) And the other thing that goes out on Monday is the third episode of The Last of Us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, fair enough. So, which, as I said to the creators, Neil Drummond and Craig Mason, is almost a perfect hour of television. It's actually over an hour, so it's slightly inaccurate, but you know what I mean. It's magnificent. I'm not going to spoil what it is, because although it has aired, a lot of you may not have seen it yet. It's wonderful, and it does something unexpected, and it takes something that's in the game narrative and does something different with it, and it is marvellous. So I recommend, you know, watch the show for that episode alone. And if you did enjoy that episode, and if you want to know more from that episode, I will also point to the Pilot Plus feed, because also launched today is our first Last of Us spoiler special podcast for The Last of Us. Now, this is only for episodes one to three, so it's only about what's aired so far, 
And it also involves a 45-minute interview with between me and Neil Druckmann and Craig Mason talking about those episodes and a whole bunch of other stuff in the show as well. So if you're not already a Pilot Plus subscriber, do head over to empireonline.com slash Pilot Plus. Sign up now. It is only £1.99 per month. £1.99 per month. Too cheap, some would say. Literally, you can't it's even buy two McDonald's cheeseburgers for £1.99. Or Philip Fish, I don't think. Or, or Philip the mm. Fish. Yes, mm. absolutely right. Mm. Absolutely right. So, so do go and listen to that now. It is well worth your time. Our Last of Us spoiler special, the first of two. Right, let's have our first guest for this week. Uh, it's Joe Cornish. There you go. That's not a spoiler. You'll know him, obviously, for such films as Attack the Block and The Kid Who Would Be King, plus the fact that he likes to live life on the edge, as was evidenced by his launching a new YA show on Netflix. Uh, we reviewed Lockwood & Co. on Pilot Plus last week, so you can hear what we thought of it on there. But Joe sat down with Boyd earlier this week to talk all things busting ghosts in his adaptation of Jonathan Stroud's series of novels. Welcome, Joe Cornish, to the Pilot TV podcast. Thank you very much, Boyd Hilton. Congratulations on Lockwood & Co. Thank you. I was very impressed. Good. One of the things that impressed me, the first thing that impressed me about it, I thought Mm. was very clever, was the title sequence. You get a lot of information packed into the title sequence, which might normally in a normal show, take up loads of tedious exposition. Yeah. Who's, was that your idea? And was that kind of thing? That, at what point did you decide to do that? Well, it happened by default because I refused to put any exposition <laughs> in the script. I just, I just wanted, like, I get really, you know, I'm quite lazy and I don't like shows that ask me to do homework or that ask me to, you know, that start with a massive exposition dump and expect you to learn the histories of the character or complicated geographics or political, you know, situations. I just wanted the show to start with this cab pulling up, these two people getting out of it, carrying this weird equipment. You're not sure quite what it's for or where they're going. You realize they're going into a haunted house. You realize they've got to somehow deal with the presence in this house. I wanted people to sort of pick it up as they went along and be intrigued by the characters and the situation. It's like in a video game, like the best video games, you just play. And as you play, you learn the buttons. Not such good video games start with long tutorials. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, most, most I would say, fantasy world-building type of shows have, a, have that, don't they? They, they have, they have do, a lot of... They do. Um, they do, but we don't. No. Because I, I prefer it when you're just dropped in there. Oh, God, yeah. It's much better. Yeah. And then, and then so, so everyone said, oh, you've got to put this in or that in. I said, no, 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 no. And then eventually we realized, okay, we do need to get some broad stuff like when when the problem which is how they describe the ghost epidemic when that started you know approximate number of deaths and the basics of combat so we put that in the opening title sequence which is unskippable on netflix in episode one but skippable on the subsequent episodes so a perfect vessel it's a great vessel. For some information. But they're also nice titles. I think they look really nice. They're beautifully designed. Yeah, they're and really the music's stylish. good. The music's great. Yeah, who did the music? The music is by the music is the music in the show is composed yes. by uh, a, a pair of brilliant musicians called The Flight, who did the music, speaking of video games, for Horizon Zero Dawn and Alien Isolation. Uh and a guy called Christopher Bauschinger, who I worked on Kitty Will Be King with, who's very brilliant. But the title music is done by a band called Bad Bad Not Good, and it's an existing track. They're a Canadian, I don't know how to describe them, you know, hip-hop, funk, jazz, soul, instrumental band. They're really good. Yeah. 
because there's a lovely little drum roll into it into the so, yeah. yeah which I think which works yeah that we you, we sort of bleed it backwards into right. the end of the episodes right. yeah and um, now while we're on music I must rem- because it's got well, the other thing I thought was really interesting is that it feels like it's set in the eighties but it's not it's set in an alternate version no, of the present because I'm set in the eighties right, <laughs> exactly yeah. so I love the Bauhaus extensive use of Bauhaus yes. in the first episode yes. the Cure in the second yes. episode pop up um, which which and there's no mobile phones correct so is that it, it, is it actually? Is it's, it's you managed to create an alternate version of the world where we don't have any of the things that have happened since the eighties? That's right, and that's part of the book. You know, in in the book, because this epidemic started in like uh, just over fifty years ago, and that's another interesting thing about the world building. This is deep, deep, deep into this situation. Society has really adjusted to it and absorbed it. It's not in the recent past. It's over fifty years ago. And as a result, industry and culture and, you know, the social scene has completely mutated because suddenly these materials like iron and salt become very important. So the world goes back to a sort of post-industrial state, if that's the right term. And in our world, even though it's today, the digital revolution never happened. So we got rid of any car that would have been designed on a computer. We tried to point the camera or digitally remove any building that looked like it had been designed in CAD or something. We took all the all the signs of the of the mature digital revolution out. But at the same time, you know, they dress in a pretty modern way. Some things are modern. So it's a mix as it as it as it is in the book. And is that I mean apart from the fact that it is in the book, is part of the attraction to you that setting and 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 do you have a nostalgia for those days of pre-digital things? I'm not sure whether it's nostalgia because the truth is that mid-70s to mid-80s, London in particular, was quite a downbeat place. It was a more dangerous place. It was before the culture of health health and safety. It was a politically difficult time with Thatcherism and it was a sort of quite ruthless time with kind of this entrepreneurial Wall Street type culture going around. What else? There was terrorism in London. You, you, one would be very aware of terrorism traveling around in London. You're nodding because you remember this time. I totally remember it. Yeah. I think I'm yeah. a year older than you. There you go. Yeah. So there was there a was sense music, of sort though, of Jan. romantic doom. <laughs> well, exactly. And yeah. the music really encompasses... The, the, so, so that's the negative side. The positive side, depending on how you look at it, is everything was still analog. And all this stuff is actually quite cool at the moment because it's physical, right? So vinyl LPs and books and stuff you can actually hold in your hand and touch. And so that suits Lockwood & Co., which is really about people young people being forced into this dangerous situation a world where there is less of a safety net than there is now i read at the weekend that i saw the weekend that jonathan stroud who wrote the original books is absolutely thrilled and delighted seemingly could not be happier with your adaptation how involved was he and that must be like heartwarming to know that he very know, much so he yeah it. no it's brilliant well you know we he we had to we he i talked to him to get the rights to the books you know the book there was 10 years ago there was one book which we read as a company it was optioned by hollywood and just all of hollywood yeah optioned hollywood it. as a collective yeah, yeah. <laughs> hollywood incorporated yeah. optioned it and then it sort of got developed as a feature film but never got made everyone goes off and does other things he writes four more books so there are five books we, me edgar naira rachel form complete fiction we're looking for our first tv thing and we realize oh now there are five books and now they're back on the the option is open again so we thought well that would be a great way to um to to make our tv debut as a company and so that's a long-winded way of saying the first thing you do in that situation is pick up the phone to jonathan and 
talk to him and reassure him that we love his books and that we're going to do everything we can to honour them. And is he, was he aware of you? I mean, he must have known of Edgar Wright and, you know, was he aware of your work? How and was he an Adam and Joe fan? I think he was, I think he knew Attack the Block, yeah. Right. I think so. I don't know, I'll have to, I haven't embarrassed him by asking him <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he definitely knew Naira and Edgar and he knew Attack the Block. And in fact, he came to, he came to see, he came to the set of Kid Would Be King and he came to a bunch of Kiddie Whippy King screenings. So we, we were working alongside him and developing for a very long period. And yeah, he's been very involved. He saw all the scripts and he's helped us with the detail of the world and he's been there for any question answering. And But he understands it's, it's never going to be like a photocopy. Sure. He understands yeah. there are things that might have to be compressed or, you know, slightly adjusted. But yeah, yeah he's, he's, it's been brilliant to have him at our side. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. He's a lovely man. Is he? Very oh, clever, yeah. Right. I mean, it is, it's a really interesting, it's a really clever kind of um, world that he has written and created. Yeah, it's very interesting. I was also going to ask about the cast because I think particularly in this genre, I mean, because it is trying to be scary, isn't it? Uh, properly scary, a very smart thing, the ghost kind of attacks. Um, and it's key, like, the, there's a moment in episode where Ruby Stokes is, Lucy, is, is absolutely terrified of something. I was thinking that really helps that she's a really good actor because to sell the scary bits really helps. Was it? Tough finding your three main cast members, this trio of young people, to to kind of pull off what you needed them to pull off. It varied really. Ruby, Ruby, we discovered very early. She was amongst the first batch of tapes that we watched because we were casting in deep COVID territory, so it was all over Zoom. And when we, you know, when we all met in person, it was the first time any of us had seen anybody outside our household for months. I remember it being a really weird experience and we had a covid person who was there with a long stick to check that we were keeping our distance and all this stuff anyway she she was clearly amazing from the first audition we saw and in fact we cut her audition short because and and she was really worried she was like oh man they cut it short this was a disaster but we cut it short because we just knew yeah she was it she's got this amazing we were just convinced she was emotionally psychic Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, she yeah, really yeah. sold it. Uh, Cameron, we actually overlooked the first time. We didn't. We we just for some reason didn't notice him in the first batch of tapes. Then we got right down to the wire, the very eleventh hour, and we were desperate because we couldn't find him. So we went back through all the tapes, and we're like, "Oh, why didn't we notice this guy?" And he came in and nailed it. And then Ali was again. He didn't. We didn't find him that quickly, but when we found him, he was just embodied the character so brilliantly. And I think the, particularly the Anthony Lockwood character, I feel is a real challenge because he's kind of like this, the more I watched, the more I felt like he's cool, but yet kind of slightly because he's so uncool. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a bit where he meets the enemies in episode two and he just kind of deals with them in a very slick way, but there's still something quite kind of uncool about him at the same time. It's quite yeah. odd. It's quite an interesting, unusual character. Well, he is a really well-written character in that he's a bit of a sort of con artist. He has, again, that 80s entrepreneurial sheen. Like, he's trying to run this company. He's inherited this house. He knows that he's a sort of mascot, but at the same time, he's very insecure and hiding a lot of anxiety. He's very lonely. He's very haunted. He's borderline suicidal for a lot of the, a lot of the story. He's lost his parents. He's got this secret room in the house. Nobody knows what is behind that door. So he's this mixture of sort of slickness and sort of self-promotion, I suppose, and also 
deep insecurity and um yeah and uh darkness yeah yeah and he wears a nice tie as well. He does wear a nice tie. Well, he wants to look good. He's the right. face of the company. Yes. yes, fair enough. And I'll, I'll speak about the tone because, I mean, does it help that you've worked, you've done, you know, worked with similar um, age of actors and similar kind of age bracket in terms of the story? But this feels very, very adult. As a, as a grown adult watching it, I was like, at no point was I thinking this is oh good. Feels like a YA yeah. show. I think the swearing helps. So they say fuck yeah. every now and then and all of that. And the the, the dialogue feels very adult and sophisticated was that something you that comes naturally to you or did you, you work hard on that i didn't deliberately uh think about that really uh i mean i just tried to honor the spirit of the books i mean we did want to age it up slightly i suppose so it is a bit more edgy perhaps than the books but then you know i think in a show like this the more real the world is, the more the better it's going to work. Um, so, yeah, maybe we did make them maybe a tiny bit older than they are in the books. But I'm also very pleased that they look the right age. This isn't a show about, you know, teenagers with 30-year-old closely shaven Hollywood <laughs> 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 actors. No. But, you know, the other thing is I, I became conscious of this this afternoon. We've been doing press this afternoon and I had a flashback to Attack the Block when I kept, people kept asking me about the young actors. And after a while, I, kept, I was starting to get the side eye from Franz and, and John. And one of them took me aside and said, listen, Joe, we're, we're professional actors. Right. Don't, yeah. talk to our, don't talk about us as if we're like Lena Zavaroni. Does <laughs> yes, that mean anything to you? It does to me. <laughs> yeah. Showing our yeah, age. But you know, yeah. like we're like, um, I don't know, Jacob Tremblay or something. Yeah. yeah even though he's enough. actually an amazing actor. Yeah, he's brilliant. So, so these are very experienced, capable, brilliant young actors. And actually, you know, uh, Ruby and Ali and Cameron are in their early 20s. This, it's got a very, and it, just the fact that it's on the streaming platform. Help is it? Look, it is, yeah. It's, it's on the Netflix, yeah. Is it? Yeah, oh yeah. Um, for, for the time being. Right. <laughs> anyway, I, have to, I can ask you that question, right. right? Sorry to be negative. Yeah. But they have axed quite a few yeah. shows recently after one series. Yeah. Is that, but you, are you confident that it's not going to be axed? Well, that's like time? saying, you know, that's like saying, oh, a lot of good movies have been flops yeah. or a lot of bad movies have been hits. You know, you, you pay your money and you take your chances, really. Like, all we can do is make the best possible show that we've made and we know there are f three more really strong books that get better and better we love our show of course we'd like to make more but listen uh worst things happen at seed you know what i mean it's uh it's the same in any branch of this industry you are you make the best show you can you know you dress your child up for school comb their hair do their homework straighten their tie pack their satchel they step out of the car and God knows what'll happen at school. So you've got a good satchel, though, I feel, from, from Netflix. Like they've, We've they've, really combed yeah. and slicked that hair as yeah. best we can. Yeah, you, <laughs> you have. You really have. Um, and are they good to work with in terms of like notes and, you know, freedom? I feel like, I still feel like Netflix gives everyone the freedom to do what they want, creative people, more than maybe, I don't know, the BBC and whatever, but I may be making it up just as my own perception. They, they gave us really smart notes, actually. And, and like we were talking about exposition before, there, was, there were definitely you know nerves about that whether we should have a big pre-credits establishing sequence and actually we shot stuff um and we shot stuff that wasn't in my draft of the script but you know to their credit we ended up going back to what was in my draft of the script we just dropped it didn't use it 
But you know, when people give you millions and millions and millions of pounds to make something, you can't really get annoyed when they make sensible and reasoned suggestions. And you, and if you don't agree with them, you you talk to them. And so they've they've been really good. But I've been lucky in all my stuff. At Adam from the Adam and Joe show onwards, we've I've only I think the same could be said for Adam. We've only really made things in the way that we want to make them very luckily yeah it's been yeah we've been very lucky do you keep up with the whole with the world of particularly of, t- of tv with peak tv are you a consumer of all you know you know what sh- i'm not actually not, no. you're too busy no. is that why i'm not too busy i just love movies i watch pretty much a movie a night or depending on how much time i've got or half a movie but everyone knows tv's better than movies now they say that don't mm. they but not if you watch the right <laughs> movies <laughs> if you watch the right tv it's all like I would say The White Lotus. I'm not sure if there's a film. I've watched White Lotus, oh, okay. yeah. Like, right. I'll watch, I'm better now, okay. but, but then I love Mike White, so I would follow, I've loved right. Mike White since right. Chuck and Buck. Yeah, yeah. So I'd follow him anywhere. I, 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 I guess I'm a bit more across it now that I've done this. There's still loads of brilliant good movies out there if you just, oh, I know, you just I have to keep your eyes on yeah. Europe. And, um, yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. consume as many movies as yeah. TV, but I still feel like TV is getting better and better and better. Like, yeah. they, like on a weekly basis, you know, seven films might come out of which one might be decent. Whereas on a weekly basis, the TV that's out there, the hundreds of right. streaming shows, a remarkable number of them are right. pretty good. I mean, my thing is that I often feel that TV is spread thin. Yeah, there's too, too many episodes. Too yeah, much that's talking. True. And then story beats are just spread out too long. And if in just the mindset of a movie is, well, we have a limited bit of real estate we've got every scene has to has to propel the story forward and you're um which is how we've kind of made Lockwood and go we've tried to make it as dense and give it as much yeah, forward momentum as a, as, yeah. as, as a movie not to say other tv shows don't do that i just wouldn't know no fair enough <laughs> uh, i'm very much excited about smudge cast you be the smudge <laughs> yep. the other podcast Good. coming up that you promised to do four of them yeah yeah uh when are they going to arrive Joe? well Smudgecast, You Be the Smudge, A Whisker in Time, and Death of a Goldfinch. Actually, those are not the full titles. Smudgecast, featuring Joe Cornish and Smudge. A Whisker in Time, feature, well, they all feature Joe Cornish and Smudge. Yeah. Smudge I the had cat. to mention my own name because I thought it was funny when in Louis' <laughs> podcast he said, uh, Louis, this is Louis Theroux's Grounded with Louis Theroux. That you don't need to say it twice. <laughs> That's very Louis. That was uh, Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, you said that, not me. Yeah. Um, so, will they? Well, I don't know. You know, they're very high, they're very intense mm. podcasts. So, they might take a while. Mm. And, it, and it depends on doing Smudge's deal. And he's being very, he's demanding a lot of um, <laughs> Sainsbury's complete nutrition cat food in his Fair deal. Enough. Fair enough. And extra biscuits. Fair enough. So, we'll see. It's still in the, they're still in the negotiation stage. <laughs> But have you come close to doing an actual podcast? Have you Myself on my own. You're on your own, yeah. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd want to do that, really. I mean, yes, I because did. Because Adam's one I or used just to generally. do one. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, I do remember. Yeah. I did podcasts for years, yeah, and we still true. do one every Christmas. Yeah, I mean, the one every Christmas. It, the one every Christmas is so beloved of me and my friends. Uh, I literally wake up on a Christmas day, you know, like, right, Adam and Joe podcast. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. that's very nice of you to say. Yeah. Is it because, um, they, but they do take a lot of um, kind of work. Yeah, you actually work hard on them. Like, well, we as try and make, I the... try and make a couple, at least a couple of things. Yes. Uh, and then, really, I forget that he's recording it. He just comes around and, and I, I sort of forget that, oh, I forgot, you know, 
So it's always a bit of a shock to realize that it's being listened to by people. But no, it's 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 really good fun. But I couldn't I'm I'm all in on being a writer and director. And it's actually nice that what I do is different from what Louis does and what Adam does. A hundred percent, yeah. Like, mm. Talking of which though, you seem you have a lot you've got Starlight. I'm trying to list yes. your future projects now. Attack the Block Two. Yes. Which you've co-writing written with John Boyega. How's that how's that nearly? It's going fine, going? thank you, boys. And the horror movie for Netflix. Yes. Now, do you work on all of these things at the same time? Or do you kind of They're at different stages. So okay. the Netflix horror movie that's just a sort of fun, high concept, popcorny horror movie is uh is very nearly you know, we've got I've done we've got a draft basically. The Mark Miller, it's uh, I'm working on a draft at the moment. Attack the Block Two. We have a really uh, an a very detailed outline that we're very excited about, and we're in the phase of research. Listen, it took me a very long time between Attack the Block and Kid Who Would Be King. I know because I got tied up in all sorts of Hollywood things that didn't come to fruition, and so I'm just really trying to get stuff out there faster. <laughs> with a shorter no amount so and to do that i think unless yeah. anyone can tell me different because nobody tells you how to do it uh i think what you have to do is have a bunch of things going at once and then i actually have another thing with it i've got another you know i've got somebody writing something else that i'm working on because that's the other thing proper directors do is they get other writers to yes. write yes Although Steven Spielberg's just come back to writing and directing again, so you know. Yeah, but he did he it. actually? How much of that did he? Because, <laughs> I know, yeah. Because often, often the writer will do all the work, and then yes. you'll have a meeting a week yes. with the writer and pitch your ideas. Then the poor writer will go off and write them. Yeah, and then you You're share right. credit. You're right. Yeah, Sometimes. I think it's Tony Kushner that did all the writing. Yeah, yeah. I, I might be That's wrong. No, I, think, I don't actually I think, know, but I think you're right. Yeah, I'm particularly. So we have to have to wind up. The idea of you doing a all-out entertaining horror film. It's a very exciting one. That's that's the one. Oh, that, I, mean, I know it matters to you. That's the one I'm most excited about. Oh, frankly. good. Okay. Yeah. And all the others are exciting as well. Okay. But that one. I'll drop the others. <laughs> Just drop them. Do that. Finish that one first. <laughs> okay. Please. Thank you. Joe, thank you so much. And thank congratulations. You, boys. Not Great good to see you, sir. Thank you. Right. Now would be time for the listener question. But unfortunately, Chris Hewitt crashed the podcast and we no longer have time. <laughs> oh, I like the fact you're blaming question. him. I am 100% blaming Chris. Boo to Chris. I will say that we will be obviously covering many of your questions in this week's post bag on Pilot Plus. Uh, so if you do want to send things in, do send them over to us on Twitter at Pilot TV Pod or to me on Instagram at James C. Dyer. But let's instead talk about news what's been happening in the world of news i was going to mention that on following on from your complaints about the interview with the vampire and the spin-off show what's it called again spin-off show uh, the Mayfair Witches. The Mayfair Witches being on in the States and not available here, and we have no idea when they're going to be available. In the same vein, Pokerface, which is on Peacock in the States, arrived this week, and the critical acclaim for it was phenomenal. <laughs> Extraordinary, in fact. Extraordinary. It got brilliant reviews. This is the collaboration between Natasha Leone and Ryan Johnson, two brilliantly talented people, and they've come together to make a weekly a detective procedural with a different mm-hmm. case, different who done it every week, as James loves. And it, everyone loves it. Everyone who's seen it loves it. Even James might like it when he gets to see it. If he doesn't watch one episode, right? But we have no idea when it's arriving here because Peacock is pretty much non-existent now on 
where it was a kind of like a thing on Sky. Yeah, and it's lapsed, hasn't it? It's la- yeah, and the, we don't the, know what that means. Don't or know what it means. Who knows mm. where it's going to come on? So that's infuriating. No idea when that's going to happen. And another show that I'm waiting for that you discussed on the Empire podcast last week, James. Yes. I look, I, I, I look at you now, <laughs> and you did not mention it on the TV-based podcast that this is, which is Mel Brooks' History of the World Part oh, Two. We did, and I brought yes. it up on the podcast, yes, didn't you I? Bellend. And I forgot to bring it up here. <laughs> exactly. Oh, all these things blur together. Exactly. You're absolutely right. Yeah. This is. I love Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks is one of my all-time heroes in History of the World Part 1 while being incredibly variable in quality as because it is literally a series of sketches of yeah. famous people in history is a brilliantly entertaining and enjoyable film to watch and I love Mel Brooks, all Mel Brooks films even the shit ones um, you also didn't mention by the way I think you asked, they actually asked a question which was which, which Mel, Brooks film, Mel Brooks film would you like to see turned into a TV series of course the answer is High Anxiety which is, which is fantastic it's Hitchcock spoof anyway that's going to be on on Hulu in March and again no mention of it whatsoever <laughs> yet from Disney Plus <laughs> oh, I'm exhausted it is exhausting just complaining I'm about worried it. about your blood pressure yeah. yeah but History of the World Part 2 looks so he's basically got every pretty much every major comedy comedic talent in the world today involved in this thing like in a th- it's like a three night event as they call it yeah. on American TV and all playing like famous people and it's going to be amazing yeah and I'm, I'm- I'm yeah. very much looking forward to it. So that's probably why you brought it up in the, uh, yeah, on the other podcast. podcast, which isn't about TV. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, well, I will say one thing about Disney Plus that they've done right. They have renewed extraordinary <laughs> ahead of uh, its yeah. airing yeah. on Disney Plus. Uh, it's renewed for season news. two. So that's great news for the show and indeed for the show's creator and writer, Emma Morin. So good stuff. PG. Good stuff indeed. Right, more news. Give me more news. Hit me with the news, people. Okay, so breaking news from the recent Channel 5 Upfronts event, some shows that are coming out soon. I think James particularly is going to be Mm. excited about this revelation. Yeah, big time. Okay. Does that seem likely? Yes. Okay. Ross Kemp is returning to his oh, first God. acting role in 15 years. Oh, oh, was he? He was, oh, come on. He's, he's come on, yeah, oh, go on. It's the top character. Of, he was tongue, one of the brothers. Yes. Oh, yeah. And their wow. name was... Yes. Yeah. Come on, you can do it. Yeah. We're here for you. I don't know. I don't know. Grant Mitchell. Mitchell! I yeah. knew that! I yeah. knew it was the Mitchell Did brothers. Did you know it, though? Rob, Rob, Rob and Grant. Rob and Grant? No. No, no Rob. Grant. Rob Grant is like... No, Rob Grant wrote Red, <laughs> Dwarf. Red Dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason you know about the Mitchell brothers because you look like one. Oh, Let's yeah, okay, it. fine. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, okay, fine. Yeah, so anyway, know. he'll be playing a corrupt policeman who turns a blind eye to a woman's possible murder in a mm-hmm. show called Blindspot, four-part thriller. That's quite um, topical, isn't it? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of... Corrupt policeman around, we know mm. that. Also, there'll be Tim Peake, Secrets of Our Universe with astronaut Tim Peake. There's going to be The Inheritance, a scripted drama about siblings who try to get back their inheritance after their dad unexpectedly dies and uh, secrets emerge. There's some uh, reality stuff or fact. Fact? fact. fact. Factual? <laughs> There's some facts. There's some facts. There's some facts. Me there will be fact on the telly. <laughs> the day today. Cut that out. Oh. Absolutely leave it. Keep in. it. No. Carry on. Carry on. No, T- Kay, tell be... us the no, facts. No, we don't need to go into the factual things. That, <laughs> no. Do I mean, yes, we do, Boyd. What's the okay. factual stuff? Just to annoy James. Yeah. yeah well, I want to know now. <laughs> Challenge Annika's coming back, guys. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. Great. Okay. Great. Do you know what that is? I am familiar with the. I'm familiar with who she is and I've heard the name of the show. But I do not know what the show is about no i imagine okay, she anyway. gets amanica i imagine annika rice gets challenged in some fashion oh, perhaps with taxing trivia It'll make questions. a lot of people feel nostalgic but also there's something called um endurance race to the pole <laughs> you know what they should do they should get james to create his own version of challenge annika based just on the title right and then they make they have to make wherever he comes up with 
<laughs> challenge like, James yeah. to do something. Yeah. Challenge, challenge Annika to watch all episodes of The Expanse yeah. in a day. That's that's basically what it yeah. is. Yeah. Mm. That's a challenge I can yeah. get on board with. <laughs> challenge Annika has been rumoured to come back for years, I'm mm. sure. When's it actually happening? Oh, when's it actually happening? Okay. Mm. That is quite exciting. Yeah. It was like it's Crystal Maze Cross over there, isn't there? Didn't she? Wasn't she involved in. No, she just, I think she just looked like she should be because she was wearing <laughs> a jumpsuit. She did wear a jumpsuit, famously. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Anyway, we'll move on because I think James is getting cross now. Uh, Boyd, you didn't mention there's been some Frasier yes, reboot casting. There has been some Frasier reboot casting. You're absolutely right. And I was reading this, the feature on it. I mean, there's people I haven't heard of in it, basically. And <laughs> Anders Keith, Jess Salguero are in it. And they join, of course, existing cast members Jack Cutmore-Scott and Nicholas Lindhurst, as previously mentioned, <laughs> on this very podcast. Don't laugh. I don't know why you like... Because it was like unlikely. Because it was so okay, unlikely. Fine. Oh, come on! Don't be one. Of, don't be like that. <laughs> yeah. Don't be an internet troll. <laughs> don't be that person. But I am reminded of the um, plot description, which is Frasier is off to a different city with new challenges to face, new relationships to forge, and an old dream or two to finally fulfil. Frasier has re-entered the building. But what we know is Keith will star as David, Frasier's nephew. The character is the son of Niles and Daphne from the original show. But the thing is, there's no mention still of whether Niles and/or Daphne are going to be in this bloody show and it feels like they would have been I know it feels like they're not going to be in it no they're not yes this is the next chapter for Frasier without them what are the chances of this actually being good oh I mean I know I'm worried about it is your heart poised to break it is I mean to be honest, as I've mentioned many, many times, I'll t- but sorry to the listeners who've heard me say this, Matt, sorry, the, the show did go off quite significantly in the right. latter years. I mean, mainly due to the Niles-Daphne relationship forming, because always the brilliant thing about it was that Niles pined after Daphne, it was unrequited. Mm. Once that was requited for me, there were brilliant, brilliant episodes in those last years, but it, I would say it went down a notch. Mm-hmm. So I'm now prepared for it to plummet <laughs> significantly, because there was uh, certain episodes that were so bad in the, in the last season, season or so, that I can imagine how bad these will be. But maybe, I always say, my philosophy is, as scared as I am that it will be shit, I will still give it the opportunity not to be shit. And I will <laughs> no, not it's it. very good of you. <laughs> yeah, I know, it is very good. They'll be pleased. The Paramount people, the Paramount <laughs> yeah. Plus people be thrilled. Enjoy that. So yeah, I, I, I assume it, it. You assume it would be bad because because of all the people aren't in it, and you know the original the script writers of Frasier and the creators were so clever and smart, and they're not involved in this reboot. So, but we'll see. I'll, I'll judge it when I see it. All right, fair. It's scary though. You're right. <laughs> well, that is the end of news. So is it? yes, it is. Just like That's it. the end of news. I, 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 oh, do you have some special oh, news no, hidden up brilliant. your sleeve? <laughs> I mean, Kay's got another news. Does she? Like, yeah. I don't think she has. She doesn't look like someone who's got more news. Wow. No, what I... Um, did you have more news? No, I'm fine. Would you like to share more news? news. Have I trodden on your news? Yes. Tread on my yeah. news. <laughs> Go on, Kay, share your news. No, there's no other news. Oh, see, boy, she, she had no more news. She's acquiescing to your uh, dictatorial <laughs> don't advice. Think that's, that's fine. True. No, that's fine. We don't can ditch the news. True. I think let's give way for <laughs> Russell T. Davis. Oh, in that oh case. yeah, that's oh, much yes. better. Good I think we should. I mean, he is a name that everyone listening to this podcast should know very well by now whether from his work on Doctor Who or the magnificent It's a Sin or countless other brilliant things. Uh, Russell's latest show, Nolly, comes to ITVX this week and is a three-part miniseries about Crossroads star Noelle Gordon, also known as Nolly. Hello, Russell. Welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. Hello, Boyd. Welcome um, back. I'm pleased to be here again. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Um, you've had a whole day of press about Nolly. How's it gone? Yes. Well, the main thing is, I came out of the screening and Boyd Hilton said to me, <laughs> well, it was better than I expected. <laughs> 
and I've spent That's such a the stupid rest thing to say, of the day, we've all been sitting in corners going, is that good or bad? Is that when Boyd says oh that, is that God. good or bad? What do you mean? It's so good. It, it, <laughs> because you've you, got to say that now. Because when you get the information about a show, and even when you go on set, because I went on set, yes. you still don't, re- I had a little bit of an inkling of what it was, the tone and yeah. all of that, but it was really funny, oh, first good. of all. And I, Thank you. Uh, no, all your stuff is, is funny, but is a laugh, when you yeah. see the funny stuff, it's still a joy. <laughs> and just lush. There was Peter Hall, your director, talked in the, in the press conference Q and A, etc. About the crown being yes. one of the visual inspirations. Like, yeah, I wasn't. I maybe wasn't explaining that level of lovely. Oh, that's luxury. good. Yeah. So all, all, all good. Now, well, me. actually, when we went to ITV and said we want to do this, uh, one of their first notes was, "All right, we'll commission you. Please don't make it look like Crossroads." Right. <laughs> yeah. As if we would. I mean, no. it was a slap in the face. Thank you, ITV. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who we are? Yeah. <laughs> um, you ridiculous. can see what they meant. Actually. Yes. You know, there is there is a version where you could. Uh, there is a scene in this where it actually the drama actually turns into an episode of Crossroads and um, right. I think they imagine we might have done that with it but um, with all respect to the people <laughs> who made Crossroads we've made it look a bit better you absolutely have yeah and I was sitting there thinking as I was watching it that Noel Gordon because I am one of the people who watched yeah. it as a, as a kid yeah. um, with my mum and stuff she would have been thrilled at being played by Helena Bonham Carter isn't it she? strange to think I think uh, bless her I mean there was a there was a grandeur to Noel Gordon there was an imperiousness to her but I think she could never imagine this I mean Helena Bonham Carter it's, yeah. And what's nice is we've become very good friends with a lot of the people who are in the Crossroads cast. We've like Tony Adams, is, who played Adam Chance in Crossroads. He's become like the mascot of our production. We adore him. Yeah. And um, and they're delighted. They're properly delighted that their friend has been honoured like this. I mean, it's Alan Bottom Carter, for God's yeah. sake. Um, yeah, it's really wonderful. Thrilled. And I think you could just definitely describe it as, you know, one of that cliched phrase, love letter to, but is it a love letter to soaps? Is it a love letter to TV? It general? is, do you know? Yes, yes, yes. I think, I think that fits my writing very well. It's, it's, it, it, it is to television. It's specifically to soaps. It's like, and, you know, again, this is set in 1981. And six months before Noel Gordon was sacked was the shooting of JR. And that yes. really supercharged soap opera across the world. The British ones kind of picked themselves up and said, look, we can do stories and make the front pages. Then you'd have you'd Ken and Deirdre and Mike Baldwin. All those stories began hitting the front pages for 20 years. It's not the same anymore. I can't imagine a soap opera story now mm-hmm. that would make the front pages, even sinking Mick in the English Channel. And what were those Heathrow Cliffs? I would love to know exactly <laughs> Where they were right. on that little escapade, but um, and that's a magnificent character being written out in a great big classic storyline written yeah. by great writer Simon Ashdown. But that doesn't quite make the front pages anymore. Is it, where is Mick? Is Mick dead? It's it doesn't happen in the same way. The, imagine that fifteen years ago, certainly twenty years ago, that would have been enormous. Yeah. It would be a public debate about it, yeah. and I think it's hard for people to realise that now how big the soaps were. Though those those times have gone, no matter how much you still love them. Yeah, you drop in a very in a very funny scene that it's watched by fifteen million people three times a week, and there's a funny and, and Noel says that's forty five million. Yeah, it's forty five million. Right, she actually does that in her autobiography. Oh, that's fantastic. that's actually taken from in her autobiography. Noel Gordon says fifteen million viewers three times a week. That's forty five million people, and you're really going no, no it's really not. <laughs> so on screen, someone points that out to yeah. her, and it doesn't go down well. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's a brilliant, but fifteen million is incredible and not I mean, bad. It's a tea time. Yeah, it's a tea time show. What's yeah. nice about this for those of a certain generation is everyone says to me oh god that's me and my mum eating tea that's fish fingers or exactly. a mug of tea after school or bangers and mash and we'd sit there and we'd watch Crossroads it's a primal memory that yeah. gets, it's like punching people they go, oh god I remember that absolutely and also just the whole did you did you worry about getting it right as in how you're going to portray 
the creation of the show process. I think most people, uh, yes. younger people, probably just think of Equal Antiques. Yes, yes, yes. And, and the, the Equal Antiques haunts. I mean, the famous sacking of Mrs. Overall in Equal Antiques <laughs> is based on the events of Nolly, which right. is the sacking of Noel Gordon. I honestly say to myself that I'm not kidding. I think this. I think Victoria would, had she lived, and if only she'd lived, would have written this drama in the end. I think her mind, not yes. as a comedy, I mean, as a, you know, the later Victoria was a great dramatist. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. her mind would have turned to this. I'm certain it would have, because she was fascinated by these people. So yes, it's 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 it, funny. It's like it. it Obviously, it will appeal to people who remember Crossroads, but you don't obviously you don't have to remember no. Crossroads. It's like people watch The Crown, and most of us weren't there. <laughs> so I'm not worried about that in a sense. Yeah. It's like television is very good at showing you worlds that you never knew existed. But there are funny little moments. I'm thinking of that. You have a couple of scenes where which end with the end of funny a funny little moments. Boy, <laughs> no, 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 it's no. better than I expected. <laughs> We used to be friends. I mean, within no, 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 no. I mean, within the making of Crossroads, your your little recreations. Yes. When at the end of, of it, a part, or at the end of part one, and the yes. theme tune comes up, and they kind of stare into space. They a bit. have to free ding. That is so ding, funny. Ding, 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 ding. Exactly, people have to do it. Yeah. It's like there was a very strange moment where. I, when I first went to rehearsal, I was late for rehearsals. I was doing the Doctor Who things. So I ran across London, got to the, so I was late. So everyone was already sitting there, not even in costume, no costume or makeup. But right. I walked into the room and there was Miss Diane and there was Benny and there was David Hunter. I mean, that's so much like David Hunter oh, God, and yeah. Barbara Hunter. And I had to have I had a little 20 seconds of sitting back quite rocked by it it's yeah. like the, the ground went up from my feet side. this is so bizarre i've walked into a crossroads <laughs> rehearsal room and god knows they didn't rehearse much so it was quite <laughs> puzzling and the job that everyone's done so a lot you know we employ brilliant people it's and their expertise goes into recreating that that crossroads reception yeah. and the costumes the exact recreation of long conversations because you realize how much costumes change over the year exactly which costume miss diane waitress costume she should be wearing with endless hours of chat but it's it's the, if you remember this stuff it's a great big smile on your face when yeah, you watch it, yeah i think completely yeah and did you do you think that the show was in terms. Of, I, I read somewhere it might have been in the Brilliant Guardian article you wrote. Oh yeah, the, 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 the difference between soaps and other two dramas. The soaps, everyone says what's on their mind. Yes, and in, in drama that you wrote when you're writing in quotes, you know, yes. different kind of drama. It's in the subtext and all of that. Absolutely. Do you think that's? But do you think that doesn't necessarily mean it's worse? Does it? It's just different. That's it's why just different. Lesson that you show it's, from this. Sh- from it's, this. It's, sometimes it's that. Sometimes you can turn the volume off on a soap. It's like watching a Japanese no play because yes. there are yes. big emotions being expressed in very large faces. And but that's that's what it is. It's it, it's like you might as well criticize a mime for not speaking. It's what it is. It, right. It's people walk into the door and. If it's well written, there's there is time. There is, when it's well written, there is time for the script to wander and put some jokes in, or to put some wisdom in. Sometimes, you know, there were such great moments in soaps where, either in the Woolpack or in the Queen Vic or in the Rovers Return, someone will sit down and say, "Hey, life's like this." Yes, and I can remember a great line from Crossroads that I always quote from later Crossroads when Bomber Lancaster and his daughter Debbie had taken over, and uh, and Debbie was a brilliant character in Crossroads forever let down by men, forever disappointed, hard worker, never got appreciated, no glamour in her life, just hard work. And her heart had been broken yet again. And she had this fantastic line where she sat down and she said, men are lucky. Men get women. Women get men. <laughs> and isn't that great? Like, that I brilliant. remember that line for about 30 years that now. So I thought that's how to write. So sometimes the soaps do that. Sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's not, that's not subtext as such. No. It's like, 
they wander off into wisdom. Yes. Where the writer will say, this is what I think about the West Nile Yeah, right? that is And so you remember that forever. And huge There's, moments. They give you these huge melodramatic oh, moments. That are, uh, well, the great moments that you ate my mother, oh yes, I am. Yeah. It's still echoing. Yeah. Is that 25 100%. years later? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And I think Noel Gordon, having watched your, your, your dramatization of Noel Gordon, leaving on the QE2, even though yeah. obviously it was awful, but such a, that's a magnificent it's, bit of TV. Uh, no, I mean, you could see that production team realise they'd hit gold. Yes. Because they sat there and said, let's burn the motel down on Bronfire Night. And then she, two weeks later, Meg mysteriously turns up on the QE2 and sails away with a brass band playing. You can kind of, it, that's what I mean about soap was changing. Yeah. You could see people starting to realise they had muscles. Right. They could see they were beginning to hit the tabloids. And I remember those weeks of that transmission. Every day there was a different head to headline. They were literally the lead stories in the sun and the mirror. Every day. Like, so they played it magnificently. Yeah, that's Unfortunately, they played all those games and they got all those publicity and they got the success off the sacking of their yeah, lead right, actor, yeah. which is that fair? Yeah. Is that right? No. Should you do that? No. It's it's still, I, th I find it morally dubious. Yeah. Oh, the, the, you showed the pain that that, that, that causes to, um, not played by Helena, Helena so perfectly as well. Wow. Um, a couple of things I want to make, like the scenes which Larry Grayson pops up, who's genuinely uh, her best friend again. Properly Who's of us from my, our generation remember Larry Grayson yeah. very well. The detail, Mark Gatiss plays it brilliantly. I was looking at the sweat on his upper lip. Oh. I remember that so well. That's like a kind That's of- That's Larry, yes, yes, yes. Fun. You know, just, I always wondered, why didn't anyone dab his, dab his lip? <laughs> yes, yes. Sweating. Oh, it's glorious. But Mark Gates is fabulous. I mean, yes, what? and it's a fascinating friendship of, I mean, talk about the difference between dra soap and drama. That it's all subtext, that scene, because there's Larry Grayson, who wouldn't, as far as I could see, and I did a lot of uh, reading and, 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 and investigation. I even spoke to Michael Grade about, about Noel Gordon and about Larry Grayson. And Michael Grade discovered Larry Grayson, I think. Wow. It was Michael Grade who, so I, we had a nice chat about yeah. him. But he never really ever talked about being gay. He was publicly gay. Yeah, his, his act was based around a man called Everard. I mean, it's filthy. <laughs> it's what awful. did we think that meant? That's not even a double entendre. It's a and he was a family entertainer. He was a family entertainer. Yeah. And you watch clips of Larry Grayson, the audience is screaming with laughter. They're screaming with laughter at a man kind of being camp and gay, overtly camp and yes. gay. So it's a fascinating game that they're playing. And in real life, people honestly used to think that no, because of their friendship, People used to think that Noel Gordon and Larry Grayson would get married. They get yeah, sent cards and they, they, they kind of pretend to be engaged sometimes and people will congratulate them. I mean, talk about subtext. It's like so, so many layers of what's happening there. What's happening yes. and what are people seeing? And so a chance, a chance with Mark Gates to have a scene with the two the way, where in the end Larry Grayson says to Noel, what do they see when they look at me? What do they see? Yeah, that's so interesting. And yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a whole drama in itself. If, if someone wants to oh, pay uh, well, me and Mark, if... Russell, do the I was thinking, story. I want to see the, the Larry Grayson story. Yes. Written by you. I looked at it, actually. It's like, um, and I love the Larry Grayson story. There's not, there's actually not much drama in it. There's, oh, really? If I could find a moment of crisis okay. in his life, <laughs> okay. I'd probably do it, but I'm not sure there is. But what a wonderful performance. Yeah, you get to, and obviously I've known Mark yeah. for years, but but I'm in awe of his acting skills. Incredible. I just, he's, Incredible. he's my mate. And I just sit there going, how do you do that? Amazing. Well, what I thought was also fascinating was watching the way that Helena Bonham Carter kind of portrays Noel Gordon and that you, you milk quite a lot of comedy out of how she is such in a quote diva yes. would be regarded as diva she does she definitely kind of runs the ship doesn't she, she? she tells the director what to do yeah. absolutely she's telling the producers directors yeah. of the castle too which is very funny yeah but I wonder whether have you had that experience of actors wanting to take over your shows and how do you deal with it oh gosh it's like I um, I, I'd like to think I'm a good producer I kind of I remember very early on in my career 
an actor making a very great fuss about a dressing room because it wasn't the dressing room she'd wanted. And and we all laughed about it. You know, we were kids on the floor, whatever I was. Uh, I was writing on that one, but um, I was in a very junior writing position. And we all kind of laughed. And, but I kind of, I thought about it a lot afterwards. And I kind of thought, because I'm wise, obviously, yes. wide and kind. Very wise. But, uh, but I did think about it afterwards. And I thought, it's the only thing she has any power over. Right. You get a job as an actor. You t- turn up in Manchester tomorrow. Script might be rubbish. The director might be nuts. Your <laughs> co-stars might be awful. And even if it's any good, it might never be seen. And if it is seen, it might be derided. And if it, it maybe it's good. And then maybe it's not seen by anyone. You go through, you have to jump through seven miracles to appear in anything that's even remotely good. So the only thing you've got any power over whatsoever is the size of your dressing room. So I completely understand it. I think it's actually fair enough. What they're expressing there is all they're interested. And then on top of all that, never mind the they have to go on camera. You and I can worry about our jobs and worry about this and that. We don't really have to go on camera and pretend to be someone else. That is and she you was know, the face of this show. The face was, of the show. No, Gordon was, I mean, it's funny because Cor- it is a different kind of soap opera. Coronation Street is a big cast. East Dennis is a big cast. The Crossroads was really built around her. Yeah. She was the star, which makes the sacking all the more shocking. Yeah. I love the disdain she had for Corey when it comes on the TV. <laughs> she switches it off immediately. Is that you? Or you is should that, know, you should uh, read her water. I've made nothing up in this, honestly. Is, is it that, annoying for you? That was a sub-question. But if I, all the brilliant bits, and I think, is that really happened? Is that, that really happened? I promise you. The only, in episode three, she finds out why she was sacked. That's the only thing I've made right. up. Right. And it does happen after she's been arrested in a strip club in Bangkok. That's true. She <laughs> was arrested in a strip club in Bangkok with Fiona Fullerton. But the consequences that I had to, I had to have her show find out why she was sacked as a drama it would have had no ending you know we can't just put up a card at the end (laughs) saying this is what really happened folks (laughs) and I had found out why she was really sacked so I had to put it in but uh, apart from that everything else is true you will see absolutely nutty things happening yes. and the madry was the more determined I was like her getting the bus where she's a door you know, oh, she'd get on a double decker bus she really would get the double decker bus sometimes not to be adored I don't mean that to meet the public and, and Birmingham adored her they, right. people would right. flock to her but she'd famously do it she'd pop off to Rackham's over lunchtime and go on the bus I can't swear she did it that night yeah, when I've been the drama I've kind of boosted it by putting it onto the night she was sacked but yeah. why not why not yeah. why not yeah. yeah why the hell not I was thinking when It's a Sin was such a phenomenon yeah. you know and would it be fair to say that you had a, a moment where you could have done there's lots of things you could have got made I think yes that's true yes and the amazing thing about this is it covers the same starts in the same period yes yeah. <laughs> but could way. not be more different yeah I mean tonally and everything are you pleased that this was the thing that you decided to oh do? I'm delighted I mean that's the funny thing it, it, undeni- I mean no one, there's no one who can get anything made right. because whenever you get make a drama, you're walking through the door asking for six million quid. No one wants to give you that. Uh, they want their return, believe you me. But nonetheless, you're right. It was a great moment. And how lucky was I with that show and that cast? It was a magical moment. So that's when you kind of go to make the thing that you think might not get made. And that's Nolly. Right. That's, that's a drama about a soap star sacked in 1981 yeah. who no one can remember. That's the moment to pounce on that. It's that if I'd gone for another serious gay drama, uh, people would have gone, oh, yes, okay, we'll do that. And yeah, yeah. I've got more of those in me. I will come back to those, hopefully, and I will do those. But um, it was a moment, and it just genuinely fascinated me that, and it's a sin change my life. There's no doubt about that. It was, it was a wonderful moment for all of us. It's very hard to stay, it's very hard to celebrate sin because the subject matter was so sad. Sure. And, you know, never mind the drama was sad, but the real life events were so sad yes. that it's hard to celebrate. But nonetheless, it was a great moment. And so, it was very attractive to me that 
these events happened at the same time. The first scene of ninety of it's a sin is nineteen eighty one in the autumn, September, and Ricky's off to university. All of the episode one of Nolly happens in the autumn of nineteen eighty one when she's being sat. These things really happened at the same time, and I'm kind of fascinated by that. That there was a funny mad soap opera running adrift in the north while in the south boys were heading towards London to die. That's all true. Yeah, None of those things like, is less yeah. true than the other. Yeah. That's life. All these things are happening once. So I, I think I found the 1981 was particularly attractive to, the, the, to sort of say, here's this is my 1981 period, if yeah. you want. But these things really happened. Yeah, it was an incredible period. Yeah, I remember so well. Do you think, uh, do you think um, Crossroads, <laughs> Coronation Street, there was a kind of countless... Our grandmothers did that. <laughs> they used to mix up Crossroads and Coronation Street. Like my mum still It's does. amazing. Yeah, I was yeah, telling yeah, my yeah. mum about it. She was like, oh, Crossroads, Coronation Street. We're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a kind of campness to it, isn't it? And you talked about, I think, in, in again, yeah. maybe in the Guardian piece, about how, as a gay man, maybe you, maybe you were drawn to the soaps as opposed to going out and seeking... I think, here's what I think. What's your I'm, I'm also very, you know, at the same time, being very much drawn to Doctor Who. And I mean, old Doctor Who. And I think, I think there's... Is this a gay thing? I think there's something very creative about being drawn to productions that have gaps in them, that have faults in them, that you forgive. When you forgive those faults, when you sit there watching a chase with a mini and a Morris Minor, and you're thinking this should be a chase with police cars and and exciting smoke coming out of the wheels and stuff like that, you're actually engaged in active writing. When you start repairing what's on screen, when you start imagining a better version of what's on screen, when you start imagining how it should be, you can actually be very critical and say, you know, with Doctor Who, you're looking at two pieces of polystyrene a bit of silver foil, thinking that's meant to be an alien planet. In Crossroads, you're looking at two people, sometimes who can barely remember their lines, and you're thinking, I'm watching Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And actually, that's an active creation. It's an act of engagement in which you're inventing the screen. And I think, and I think, I think it's a writer's thing. I feel very engaged with those things. I think those impulses have seen me through life. Here I am inventing stories. Sometimes I think acting is a, is a, how much is writing an act of revenge? You know, it's like, I didn't like the way gay men were seen on telly, so I wrote Queer as Folk. I thought Crossroads had its gaps. I've written Nolly. I thought men with HIV were ignored. I wrote It's a Sin. I, Doctor Who could be improved. I wrote Doctor Who. It's, I worry about myself by what a bitter, <laughs> vengeful man I am. <laughs> when you look at things that way, you think, I'm just repairing things. You've got anything original in your head, Russell? No, but it's the but, opposite of bitter and vengeful. Because if you're bitter and vengeful, you, you'd just be moaning about it online. Yes. You're actually doing it, making That's stuff. very true. That's that, Yes, that's, I mean, when in life now I get people moaning about me online which unbelievably happens boy can you believe that I can't believe it's incredible it. I mean, I, it's with great satisfaction I think you moan online I'll create things that's the way of yeah, the world I'm very glad to be on my side 100%. of the seesaw and not theirs and that's literally the way the seesaw works I'm afraid yeah, yeah. it's very rare to cross from one side of that seesaw to the other yeah. well I lie it's very easy to go from creativity to moaning but it's not <laughs> easy to go from moaning to yeah. creativity critics uh, in back in the day became filmmakers well yeah. yes yeah. exactly even to the level around that woman who wrote the Twilight fan fiction which became yes. 50 shades of great well done yeah well done yeah, you yeah, took yeah. all your yeah. online life and creativity and frustration yeah. and joy and turned it into one of the biggest novels in the world so yeah. it's it's I've, there's a whole complicated argument there i think my gayness is part of that i think i think 
And obviously I'm claiming that and I was always champion that. But I do think I wasn't out playing football. Yeah. I wasn't out with the lads doing yeah. stuff. I was sitting at home and so a funny camp little soap opera there in which I could imagine being not just Noel Gordon, but Jane Rossington. You could imagine being Miss Diane with an alcoholic husband. You transplant yourself into those lives, very much into those female lives. That's a very gay male experience, certainly then. Yeah. Um, you know, I think these things are changing now. It's 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 you know, the whole of Tennessee Williams, isn't it? You watch a Tennessee Williams play, you go, my God, that's actually a gay man. And you've just uh, written a strong woman yes. in, 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 in the place of a gay man. So I think all that I think the 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 creation, I think the cheapness of those shows, my gayness, the campness is all one thing. And mm. and 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 if you want to kind of dissect me and lay out my brain, there it all is. That's what leads to and I'm very happy that all those things happen because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm not half bad at my job. And I'm very glad that it led me here. Absolutely. Gosh. Um that's lovely. You had to agree. That's fascinating. It was better than you expected. Yeah, wasn't that was it? amazing. Yeah, better, <laughs> better than you expected is my next, was my new catchphrase. Oh God! Um, quickly, uh, Peter Hoare directed, directed it's a sin. Yes, Nicholas Schindler produced it. Who exactly. produced it's a sin. Um, I would, have you seen Peter Hoare directed the third episode? Of Apparently, it's marvelous. Yes, it's, it's like it only arrived on Now TV on Monday, so let give me time. Yeah, amazing. I'm dying to see it. Yeah, but well, apparently that's the episode, isn't it? It is like, the it's the, one of the greatest episodes I've seen in a long, oh, long wow, time. He's thrilled. He's so excited yeah, by the reviews brilliant. and everything. I'm so proud of him. Yeah. It's on The Last of Us, by the way. Well, I didn't mention the title of the show, yes. which is a fantastic show. Great. Yeah, Dimes, about, five I said it, stars of the Guardian today. Yeah, yeah. One of my favourite single episodes since episode six of Cucumber, in fact. Thank you. Yes. Boyd, all his <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And finally, how is Doctor Who going? Just so amazing. Look at me being slightly speechless. Last night, I'm not supposed to talk about this, but last night was Shooty's first proper read through. And I am literally boiling and dying with excitement for you to see this stuff yeah. because it's it's i think it's brilliant i think he's brilliant. i think millie's brilliant i think oh my god wait till you see the casts we've got coming up proper i know it's my job to hype things equally you know i cannot I know, lie. And you cannot lie. and no. this is proper excitement in my heart and oh we had a planning meeting yesterday about season two as well and it's bursting with ideas but well, much happiness Wow, I can't wait. And congratulations on all. It is fantastic. No, I'm not surprised in any way whatsoever. Is it? it not more or less than I expected. It's exactly as brilliant as I expected. <laughs> and anything I've said before, I'll take back. May it be your catchphrase ever. It was better than I expected. <laughs> That's a stupid thing to say. Thank you. And you know, I never forget. You, I know. Oh, no, 100% you'll never, ever forget. I've also, by the way, spilt tea on the carpet, which may have cost... I think you've ruined the carpet, and it's <laughs> so expensive here. Exactly. We'd better leave by like, the, the I, I fire exit. I crawl out by they the back door. They deserve it. They can afford this. Thank you so much. Thank you. Right, that was Russell T. Davis, and we move on now to the review section. And first up this week is Apple's latest, Dear Edward, based on the novel by Anne Napolitano, which sees a number of different lives interconnect, all stitched together by an ill-fated flight that leaves only one survivor in the form of a little boy called Edward. Dear Boyd, <laughs> did you like it? <laughs> played by Edward. Edward is played by Colin O'Brien, we should say. This is a show, this is one of those shows where... When I first started to watch it, I thought, this is so outrageous, the um, the premise, that it must be based on a true story. It must be based on an extraordinary true story. And it is to some extent. So as you said, it's based on a novel. But Anne Napolitano was inspired to write that novel by an actual incident in which a smaller plane than the one in this um, show is set did crash and there was one survivor. Is it is Does it turn out, spoiler, in the show to be like <laughs> David Dunn in Unbreakable? 
unbreakable. Um, I don't think so. I don't think because it feels like that's I mean, what this it is does feel up. like. You're right. There is there is that quality to it. You're right. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to go. I, I mean, actually, I genuinely don't know because I haven't neither read the book nor I, I've watched the first episode of this series. But it could go down that supernatural superhero. Spoiler alert uh, for Unbreakable. <laughs> if you haven't seen Unbreakable uh, route, but I don't think it does. I think what this is is a big ensemble, multi-character quite ambitious kind of I'm going to take a group of people a wide ranging group of people of different you know ethnicities and sexualities and genders and um, classes and levels of kind of social you know um, success or whatever and bring them all together in kind of classic disaster movie start onto a plane and we meet their relatives etc and kind of there's lots of little subplots and stories told mm. in parallel meanwhile the kind of main focus if there is one is on the little kid Edward Adler and his brother his older brother children uh, yeah and his, their and their parents who homeschool them and we see them homesc- being homeschooled we see the kind of rivalry between the two brothers but basically is it a spoiler no this is the premise of the show in all the ad- the whole premise the of the whole show. premise of the show yeah. is that this little kid is the sole survivor yes of this crash I have to say like all Apple TV Plus shows we've ever reviewed even the ones we didn't particularly like and the ones we really loved it's brilliantly made it's kind of like you know at first funny enough I think the very first scene is the little kid on the plane and they kind of Mm. they intimate that something's going quite badly wrong and I thought oh this is going to be quite low budget they're not going to show you know really what it's like and they they kind of they pull back a little bit from showing you the actual crash it wasn't great that first few few minutes and I I thought the same but actually they completely pull it off I don't know why they chose yeah Yeah, but I think I guess it's it's, it's oddly structured because there's like flashbacks within flashbacks and you know there's like focus on the kid and then it flashes back to another bit of the kid in the cr- before the crash there's like mm. it's quite complicated structurally and um it kind of like it must have been interesting to edit because it's all it was all it cuts between so many different little characters and stories that it's but i can see why the novel was such a big hit and such a, a bestseller for the writer and i can see why the Apple was so keen on this show because it's got, if you don't like one story, pretty much another story will captivate you coming mm. up next. So there's one about a couple trying to have a baby and they're trying to have, you know, sex at the right times so they can have a baby. There's another story about a really kind of entitled woman and her daughter and the daughter and, the, and her... And Connie her, Britton. Connie, yeah, the Connie fabulous Britton, Connie The fabulous Britton. Yeah. Britton, who is brilliant, always brilliant. Yep. Taylor Schilling is in it um, from Orange is the New Black, etc. And she's fantastic. The car, everyone in the cast is is. is Instantly, kind of believable, even though it's quite schmaltzy, and it, it is, is very schmaltzy. It's very schmaltzy. It, it gets away with it because it's so uh, well done. It just, right you level know, of schmaltz, I think. I could, I could bear the schmaltz. Yeah, schmaltz is fine if it's genuine kind of emotion I think and if it's not if it doesn't feel too contrived and the amazing thing and it's all about the writing and the directing and the acting because because they all are of such a standard it, even though it obviously is contrived the whole idea of a plane crashing with one person surviving is, is a lot to take to deal with in, in a TV show like this but it pulls it off I have to say so I, I and just it's happened of, and it has it's more yeah, or less happened. although and I will say when one sees the crash your first thought is oh fuck off mm. you yeah. know what I mean there's oh, a yeah. little bit of like come on now oh yeah oh, completely there's quite a few come on now moments to be honest throughout yeah. the whole thing but I was captivated I have to say and you know it's it's another it's another really good Apple TV Plus show I really really like this I thought it was so compelling and I loved all this the subplots and I know what you mean about it. the points where it's a bit confusing you know with flashbacks and whatever mm. but I just thought you're completely right that if you just don't like one strand there's so many others that you can become engaged with and 
I just love the different characters and the subplots. So like the fertility couple, there's a moment where they're discussing their fertility and stuff and they've obviously had difficulties and tragedies and stuff like that. And they talk about, I don't know if you saw the three layers of pain. I just found it so emotional the way that they were able to capture that, mo- you know, the storyline mm. in such a simple way. And who else? I really like Dee Dee, who's played by Connie Britton, the well-to-do, very rich mother of this daughter who, and the, her husband is on the flight and like, is their relationship in difficulty? I just think there's so many different characters to care about. What I would say is if you've got a fear of flying, you were going to feel terrified watching yeah. this because it was genuinely so realistic and scary and devastating. I actually got teary watching the, those final scenes. I, f- I felt so emotionally invested in these characters. That I was like, oh my God, even, you know, and <laughs> FYI, I hadn't read the blurb before I watched it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realise, obviously I knew something bad was going to happen mm. and I didn't realise just one, one person was going to survive. So I was willing them on and yeah. I watched this the same week that I watched Gerard Butler's play. Oh, so two slightly traumatic plane crashes <laughs> yeah. in one week. It's not a great yeah. week for no. air travel, frankly, yeah. for me. But also, don't you think this is interesting that when you read these things about like, you know, these plane crashes and stuff like that, I never really consider what it's like for the families reading about it because they show afterwards, you know, like how each of the relatives to these pan- passengers find out, mm. you know, on a news report and how devastating that is and how, you know, they're in this shock and they don't know if it's their, if their partner or their aunt or whoever. And it's like, I've never really sort of given it much attention and I thought that was really well done as well. Yeah. I, I liked it. I didn't like it, I think, as much as you. I think part of my thing with it, all the way through, you're seeing all these characters, you're getting attached to these characters. You're, and, I'm, and all the way through, I'm thinking, I mean, why am I getting attached to you? You're not going to survive the episode. And and, and so yeah. I was finding it quite difficult to, to sort of invest in that, because I'm like, well, your story is going to end in like 38 minutes, so... <laughs> I don't see why I'm going to get invested in you. But but, <laughs> but it doesn't, but does it? No, you, I know. I know, I know you're absolutely right. It's not about like them. Everything. It's about everything. It's like watching James Bond knowing he's never going to die. I mean, you never Sure, really f- but, but know, his story on. continues. I think you're fine. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. Spoilers. That was a really Spoilers. That's a bad, bad example. example. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know, by the way, recently, you know it was on ITV recently, that Bond film, the mm. last Bond film was on ITV, and, and the incredible, they did a survey, an incredible number of people who watched it did not know who the James Bond dies at the end. Yeah, extraordinary. You know we're going to get complaints for you point. just well, saying that, don't, don't you? Carry Fine, on. right, like, that's it. it. <laughs> at Boyd Hilton on Twitter. Please address all your complaints directly to Boyd. Um, it was a terrible example to be yeah. fair. But I think it was for me because I was like, well, your story's going to end so I don't want to get in, invested in you. But you're right, it's not about them, it's about their families, about the ripples that go out from, from and mm. the tragedy that unfolds and yeah, how... it's about the survivors. Like, there yeah. are multiple you know, survivors, the relatives of these people sure, and how sure. And how this boy them. becomes a lightning rod for the entire yeah. sort of like trauma. So I, I enjoyed it and I think for all the reasons you said that there were there was enough going on there that if you didn't like one thing you could get into something else and I, I found several of the storylines quite compelling but again I was always just like because they're all like oh we're going to get our flight and oh we're going to the airport and I'm like I know how this ends it's the premise of the show and so into it James I know I know so, so I think weirdly that affected my enjoyment maybe that's just my own sort of weird thing it not is. everyone it should be fair that not everyone you meet is on the plane that's you know yeah. obvious yeah. like the couple um, with fertility issues absolutely they are not so. on the plane it's mm. about you know the people who they know who's on the plane so how it then affects them so yeah and like and as with all things on Apple it looks like it cost a bajillion dollars Mm. Uh, it's incredibly uh, high production it's It's very very slick slick. huge production values looks lovely beautifully acted very well cast they've got great people in it so it's good you know all I'm just going to say don't get too attached to the people that you meet (laughs) that's all I'm going to say all I'm going to say 
I do love a plane based thing though. Mm, I have to say the appeal of it. Oh, do love a plane. Well, I then do. can I recommend Jerry Butler's plane? Yeah, I, do you know what? I'm, I'm you, furious. I, is... I, I couldn't go to the screening of Plane. I'm desperate to see it. I really want to see it, especially oh. after Chris Hewitt's delightful interview with Jerry Butler and um, Thingy last week. Yes. Well, we review it on this week's You know, like, I think there is a fascination with them. I mean, Lost, the pilot of Lost was partly brilliant because of the plane crash element of that show. That was the brilliant start. Obviously, ended ended in disastrous style as well. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Gosh. bring on. Yeah, don't, spoiler, don't they crash on an island, really which do. is moving through time yeah. and space. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, Dear Edward comes to Apple TV Plus on the 3rd of February. So that's uh, that's good. Good. And I should point out that the first episode is directed by Fisher Stevens. Yes. Oscar winner Fisher Stevens. Yes. Who plays the rather problematic now Ben in the Short Circuit movies. Less said about that than wasn't ever. he? And he was in the West Wing one point, wasn't he? Or Fisher, was Fisher Stevens in the West Wing? I think so. He's definitely acted in a lot of things. Oh, I he? don't believe Fisher oh Stevens was in the Maybe West I've Wing. Completely made that up. Fisher Stevens. Hang on. He was in some Stevens kind of show like that. West Wing. No. No. Oh, okay. Nothing has come up. All right. Under Fisher Stevens. I'd remember if Fisher Stevens was in the West Wing. Oh, he was in Frasier, funnily enough. <laughs> there you go. He was in Frasier. He was also in the Black Lost. He was in Lost. Six was, episodes was he in Lost? Lost. Yeah. I remember that at all. Uh, Ugly Betty. He's, he's so prolific as an actor and he's, he's now become Yeah, and he won an Oscar. Director. Yeah. For, I think it was, it was either a documentary or short, I can't remember what. Which I was in so. Succession. Is he? Yeah, five oh. episodes of Succession. There yeah. we go. Fantastic. Fisher Stevens then, who anyway, directs the first episode of Dear Fisher Edward Stevens. on Apple TV+. Plus. <laughs> Next, we have Nolly on ITVX. Now, you've already heard a decent bit about this from the notorious RTD himself, but now let's hear about it from Kay Ribeiro. Kay, were you at a crossroads oh. with Nolly? Uh, I, well, I don't know how to carry on that analogy, but I will just say I absolutely <laughs> bloody loved it. <laughs> this is great. I didn't know anything about her beforehand. Did I you mean, watch Crossroads? That's the important thing. No, I was very small. Though? No, no, it's not. It's mm, not. Exactly. That's the thing. It's what? It's what? It's not the important thing. It's not the important no. thing. No. Whether you watch Crossroads. Yeah. No, it's not. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to I, watch no, it. I understand. Right? You're more of an Emmerdale girl. I get it. It's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. We'll I was very say, little yeah. when it was on, although I do remember Benny. But yeah, it's not essential. That's the whole... I think that's really important to get across. It's yeah, not it's essential <laughs> to have any knowledge of Crossroads or uh, Noel Gordon, Nolly, because... Did you know who she was before? No. You had, had no, no idea? I had no clue. Okay. And I watched it. And obviously you get to know her. And what I really like about this is because I've read quite a few interviews with Russell and obviously we've heard Boyd's brilliant interview. And, um, like, <laughs> you haven't heard it. You so clearly it haven't might heard be it. Shit. <laughs> you don't know. Thank I'm you presuming. Know. Thank you for right, the assumption. Okay, yeah. Yeah, let's assume. You're a real positive talker based yeah, yeah, yeah. on past yeah. facts. Totally. Anyway, so I didn't know anything about her. And what I really like is that he's been seemingly very fair, you know, like because she... She was a flawed character. He gets that across. You know, you see that she was a diva. She was quite difficult to work with for her bosses and producers. She would override them. She would humiliate them, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, she was also a kind, loyal colleague to her co-workers and a loyal friend. And so he he gives a balanced view of her, but also, uh, you know, she was sacked. This whole thing is about her being sensationally sacked without a reason being given and the injustice she suffered and the fact that and the effect it had on her and the cast and I just think it was like really sensitively and beautifully handled and just really highlighted the unjust treatment of a woman of her age and she was very aware of the fact that I mean a spectacular performance by Helena Bonham Carter the fact that at her age she would just her name would be mud and she would be find it very difficult to find any roles and the devastating effect that had on her and her confidence you know she was a woman who was very 
confident. But then to see her cowed by this action that was taken against her, she was sacked. And rather than like what I really love as her spirited character, rather than taking it, you know, on the chin and like sort of not saying anything, and it wasn't her personality. So they everyone sort of like wanted her to brush it under the carpet or just get on with it. But rather than doing that at the press conference or the impromptu press conference, she's t- changed her mind and just exposed everything that was happening, basically saying, you know, yeah, I was brutally axed, I'm heartbroken, and started off this campaign, Save Our Meg campaign, because the public were totally behind her. So I just, I really enjoyed it. I loved I loved Helena in that role. I thought she was brilliant. Um, I liked the sweet codependent relationship she had with Tony Adams, which I, you know, Boyd, football reference there. Yeah, not the not the, uh, the uh, ex-Arsenal captain Tony Adams, but the actor Tony Adams, indeed. Yeah. And it's it was um it was fascinating. Mm. I really, really enjoyed it. Compelling. Yeah. James doesn't bother watching this, we should say. Yeah. No, no, see <laughs> that's yeah. character you know assassination. Is it, is it true? Have you watched it? <laughs> now do you Have you watched it, James? <laughs> have you I have not, have not watched it. And the reason I have not watched mm. it, as you well know, is that mm-hmm. I asked for screeners and was not provided with screeners. However, <laughs> oh. however, there may what? or may not have been a comedy misunderstanding right. so, yes. in that I asked for screeners. No one responded, oh. but it has been it has been said that possibly <laughs> they, they slipped them into my ITV account yes. without actually telling me, and I didn't bother to check. Yes. Now I don't Are know whether there? that's the case because at the there? moment, the at the moment, ITV it's people. Schrodinger's screener. I've not looked. It might be there. It might it not be there. be there. So you it know, who knows? Be there, right? who knows? So this is the point. This is yeah. one of the biggest shows You've this snubbed. week, and I James didn't snub it. James has chosen not to watch it. I was denied access to it. No, you weren't. Don't blame. Don't you blame the people at ITV? You haven't checked if it's and you will be in no, your to be, I did check and it wasn't there and then we requested and no one replied but yes you're right it, they may have self-given me the screen. He checked two days ago it wasn't yeah. there and so he presumed it yeah, would no I longer ever so, be there. Yeah. But also you must admit you said like it's not you know you never heard of her. Well, not... But what's really interesting about this is exactly what Kay said it's like I was a bit like oh I've never heard of her yes, you and I, the only thing I know about Crossroads is Crossroads Coronation Street and Emmerdale were the three things my grandmother used to watch right. and when she lived with her when I was going to bed as a very small child I, I have like the theme tunes of those songs used to be burned into my brain because oh. I would hear them while I was trying to go to sleep and sing uh, the theme tune of Crossroads no I know, I know the Emma Dale I was good that's Emma Dale isn't it okay this is this is not a thing anymore well so yeah so those were her three shows those were her three shows but I never watched any of them I do remember Benny's one with the hats Benny with the hats and the dungarees even then you're a snob about Crossroads oh my god as a child your grandmother yeah that's it basically what we're saying is a hey, dick from go. a young age. Perhaps that's where it comes from. Like, if you psychoanalyze me, maybe that's I it. Bet, it's yeah. because I was so traumatized by them as yeah. a child. I think it's best yeah. that we don't psychoanalyze Then I swore you. off. I swore, swore off. Friends. You refused to watch and you went off to read Lord of the Rings. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I bet you're a light little shit. The bottom line of this is, yeah. though, she is a woman who deserves to be celebrated. Right. And actually, I think I love that. Russell has made this show because she's now been given the you know reverence and tr- treated well because she was treated very badly and mm. she would love the fact that she had this show now made about her. Well, she would love the fact that she's being played by Helen Bonham Carter. Well, yeah, yeah as well. would, absolutely yeah. fantastic. But I mean, you've actually genuinely made me want to watch this just good. from talking about it because you should because as, this is what Helen Bo- so good. Helen Bonham Carter said this about people who assume because they haven't heard of her yeah. that they wouldn't be interested in watching yeah. it. She said, "I think it will strike a chord if you're a woman approaching midlife or a man approaching midlife. Which, let's face it." <laughs> Beyond that, <laughs> it will speak to anyone who's been badly treated in their job. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> ding ding ding. 
<laughs> ultimately, it's just about people in a workplace that happens to be crossroads. And it's true, there's a lot of it's that there's a lot of workplace hierarchy stuff that goes mm. in it, which is fascinating. And what the, the brilliant thing that Russell's done is he's turned it into a mystery. I mean, the mystery is why did they sack her? It was it was still successful, as successful as it always was. The show when they sacked her, she was the star. The whole you know people loved her. She was like winning. She won like nine TV Times awards. Which, by the way, I love the fact there were TV Times awards back then. Who yeah. knew? Yeah, yeah. There's an, even a clip from TV Times awards in episode three, I think. She, he makes a proper mystery out of it. It's an, it's intriguing to know, and he does answer. And he he's talked about this how in the drama he may even have mentioned it in my interview. In the drama, he he gives you a reason why she was sacked. He, he goes into it, mm. and which is which is which is a very plausible, I felt explanation yeah. for it and, and and subtle and nuanced kind of thing not a simple answer but quite a kind of complex series of mm. reasons amalgamating together but she never found out she herself never found out why she was so which and is, how awful is that yeah which has a kind of tragic quality to it and this it. is the woman who fir- she was the first woman to appear on Colour TV oh, amazing James amazing life yeah. she was the first woman to interview a sitting British Prime Minister so yeah. it wasn't you know yeah, she, she deserved an incredible to be respected. Life, uh, uh, anyway, mm. I, I thought I think it's really and the interesting thing about it, like there are amazing moments, like when in her final episode she goes off on the QE two, you know that's her exit from the show, and um, her mate, um, who Tony Adams, played by Augustus Prue, sailed <laughs> over in his own. Yacht, is this true? Mini this yacht. Is it? It's true. Oh wow! It's an outrageous moment. Honestly, if you don't didn't know it was true, if I didn't know that Russell told me it's true, yeah, I would not have believed this outrageous moment where her best mate and confidant, played by Augustus Prue, gets in his own boat and sails to where she is. The, Q, the QE two is, I think, Southampton or whatever, and literally waves goodbye to her from his Listen, boat while she she's was filming. The queen of and the that Midlands. fucking happened. Yeah, I mean, it is, and there's there's like a, a myriad episodes which which you think oh they wouldn't have been like that, but they it did actually almost. Everything in it did happen, yeah. according to Russell. So that is fascinating. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah. He's done a brilliant job, and I think the fact that he did a very did a very English scandal, the Jeremy Thorpe story yeah. a few years ago with Hugh Grant. I think what he learned about adapting a true story about and, and sticking to the facts, and yet making fantastically entertaining drama out of it. Is, he's completely followed that through with this. I think, if anything, this is even more entertaining. I mm. love that series, but it's funny, isn't it? I mean, he's so he's so good at making humour out of, you know, kind of these kind of situations and his observations. And the thing about Crossroads is it ended up being famous, really, in this country, being by Victoria Wood turning into the inspiration for Acorn Antiques. Have you ever watched... Did you ever watch Victoria Wood? No. I'm familiar with who she is. Okay. (laughs) The late, great Victoria Wood. And so people's vision of... I mean, Crossroads, it was all those soaps were cheap and cheerful. They were all, you know, they were all filmed on slightly, on rickety, in quotes, Mm. sets, etc. But Crossroads was particularly singled out for being the cheap and cheerful slightly tacky was it comical. see I didn't yeah. know this oh yeah so like in the in kid, the hierarchy you yeah, know, the nuances hierarchy. were lost on me while I was in my business yeah, yeah, into the yeah. music but so in in the hierarchy of like Coronation Street Emma Dale yeah. and Crossroads right? what, what was Coronation Street the heavy hitter yes, mm. yes absolutely. and then Emma Dale was mid tier yeah. and then this was the the yeah, it was, yeah, it's the we'll weird be, one. It's the runt of the litter, and 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 Russell's talked about this quite a lot. How it's it completely. The, first of all, the whole concept of it. it what is it? What is a motel anyway in this country? Like there aren't really that many motels. That's very true. Yeah, it's an American even thing. now. Yeah. yeah, it's an American thing exactly. So the whole premise of it, it was like Coronation Street. You know, it's like a working class community in Manchester, yeah. revolving around a pub more or less. Emmerdale mm. revolves around a farm. This is like a motel. What's that? Didn't Emmerdale <laughs> used to be called Emmerdale Farm? Farm. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. at the time it was called Emmerdale Farm. Yeah, and yeah. at one point they changed crossroads to crossroads 
Oxford's motel. Did they? Yes. So wow. it's fascinating. And so I think you'll find it fascinating because if you're interested in TV, the production of TV is mm. fascinating. The recreation of how yeah. that works. Defo. Even how- like when they were like, um, you had to hold the pose for about five yeah, minutes. Yeah, it's hilarious. That's one of the and what he but one of the funniest thing about it is that those soaps, and this was also the time in the early eighties of Dallas and Dynasty. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you remember Dallas and Dynasty did end each episode with a still frame? Yeah. Right? The freeze frame, yeah. Right, the freeze frame. This has they can't do a freeze frame in this. What, they don't shot. have the technology. I, oh God knows. All they, <laughs> so each episode ends with them like hovering. <laughs> and they, yeah. just, they just stand still. Yeah, kind of, really it's brilliant. Awkward, yeah. And he does show that a couple of times. That's it shows the like end of part one a couple of times just because it is really funny. But he, he minds, he treads that line so brilliantly between taking the piss a little bit because there are funny elements of it. And even of her, she is a bit of a diva. You know, yeah. that is, oh my God. She completely rules rules the show. Like she tells the directors and producers what to do and the cast. And that, and that is very funny. But then by the end of episode three, you're absolutely almost like not, sobbing with emotion because of what happens in the end of her story and how she's been treated by the men particularly it's also there's that strong message it's all about this woman being treated by men mm. yeah. in the industry who didn't know what the fuck they were doing and who treated her really badly do you know what I disagree about it being funny though because the first episode just based on her behaviour because she was a real cow at times especially for example to the new girl who arrived and displeased her by proving her wrong about something and then she humiliated yeah, her yeah, yeah. and at first the first episode I was totally like God, shit, this woman's awful. You know, I didn't have any sympathy for her, but as this is obviously Russell's storytelling mm. in these three parts, mm. yeah, by the end of it, I was devastated. It's interesting her. that you called her a cow, which is obviously a very gendered yeah. word. Yeah, I thought yeah. that. Yeah, mm. yeah, interesting. Kay's been cancelled. I'm yeah. owning right. it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm owning it, guys. And finally, so I could go on about this all day, and I am hosting a screening of it tonight and interviewing all the cast at the BFI. Anyway, um, so I'm just admitting my bias obviously, mm. towards it. No, but it's brilliant. Mark. Gatiss playing Larry Grayson. If anyone, again, if you're old enough to remember Larry Grayson, do you remember Larry Grayson, James? <laughs> do you know who Larry Grayson is? I don't is? think He's so. definitely old enough to know He was the very, very camp TV presenter in this period who was like so obviously gay and obviously this period never really took, and all of his jokes, all of his double entendres about him being gay, etc. And Mark Gatiss, honestly, it's like a dream bit of casting that he's so brilliant as Larry Grayson who's a very, very, like if you grew up watching TV in the 70s, early 80s, you will know Larry Grayson. That's people like, really important for her knowledge because yeah, that's the one person yeah. that she seemingly can feel vulnerable in front of yeah yeah like her best mate yeah so yeah so many great things about it wow okay did you want you know that Crossroads was as I recall it my grandma's favourite oh. of those that was favourite she what never was missed it, what Crossroads what was her name uh, her name was Evelyn oh. because she was born on Christmas Eve so they called her Eve oh Noel Gordon was born on Christmas Day that's why she was called Noel oh. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. There you go. Perhaps that's See, the connect- why yeah. that they had a, Listen, they had an instant connection. The signs are there for you to watch it. That is. That and do you is. know? And do you know? But the final thing that I only found out today when I was doing research for this thing I'm doing tonight, it's coming out on DVD next week. I think on the thirtieth. I guess timed for this show, and this, you can get like a ninety-seven disc. I'm not kidding you. Box set of all Noel Gould's episodes, like seven hundred fucking. Episodes. And just to be clear, you- it is essential you watch every one of those <laughs> yeah. before you watch. And Noel. obviously, that's James's birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> made me want to watch Crossroads again. I'm not, oh, I, I think Same. ITV should re-show it yeah, on can, ITVX. You can find it on, well, Everyone's on saying videos. there's no such thing as physical media. Boyd is here to <laughs> exactly. prove you wrong. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Make space on your shelf, James. That's it. I'm going to do. I'll make room for every episode of Crossroads. Uh, Nolly then, which comes to ITVX on the 2nd, Thursday the 2nd of February. 
Right, finally this week we have the second season of Your Honour, which sees Brian Cranston return to Paramount Plus as Judge Desiato, who in season one went down a spiral of cover-ups and criminality after his son accidentally killed a mobster's child in a hit-and-run incident. Frankly, it all kicks off at the end of series one. A series that I would argue didn't necessarily cry out for a follow-up, but, but, that aside, Boyd, mm. what is your judgment on Your Honour? Well, um, first of all, we, we've, uh, I should have said, warned everyone before, but it's good that I'm coming to me first because I can make the point that we're not allowed to reveal hardly anything about this whole first episode, by the way. Yeah, right. th- yeah, that was quite strict. This episode, which aired in the US several months ago and everyone has already reviewed at length online. I know, I know, Are you I telling know. me I need to read those embargo letters well, what we can't reveal? Uh, let me tell you, you cannot say what's happened to um, Brian Cranston's character. Even though... He is, okay, he okay. Why he's got such that's a long beard. ridiculous well, because that's literally you. how the episode starts. <laughs> <laughs> they won't be. They don't want it to spoil. Apparently, can saying. we not mention that there's an almost mind-blowing sequence with a bull, which I almost That's couldn't get wanna, my head around. I you talk can about mention that. You can, yes. on. Oh, yeah. you can mention the bull, because, yeah. but you can't mention how he encounters the <laughs> no, bull. No, or in what circumstances no. he meets the bull. What you can bull. say is, well, I'll say it now. I'm going to say there's a there's a sequence involving bullfighting <laughs> that is insane. It is insane. It's insane. Almost the comic, best, comedic. It is. Yeah, but the best comedic. thing about it is not spoiling how the hell there is a bullfighting scene. I mean, there is this scene in it, which is, yeah, absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Cranston versus a bull. Brian Cranston versus a bull. Yeah, I, honestly, I could read you the fucking thing, but basically they, they want to keep quiet for British viewers who haven't spoiled it, it So themselves. for anyone who doesn't have access to the internet. To the internet, yeah. <laughs> Can I just say something about that bull scene, right? Yeah. The thing I find extraordinary Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Um, Is that people listening will just have to Google it. You know, you'll know what I'm talking about. But when I Googled it, this is a thing that happens. What, the thing with the ball? This is a real... cannot be a thing. This is a real thing that happens in the circumstances... In the the circumstances under which it happens. It happens. Yeah. The the game is a thing. Yeah. Is everything is real and it's still happening today. It's a bit squid game, isn't it? Like yeah, I was yeah, really yeah. like, this it's is it's yeah. messed up. Mad. Yeah. It is mad, but it's real. That's what you need to bear in mind. Only in America. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Only in America. Yeah. But I'm yeah. glad you put, yeah, I'm glad you put that. That's absolutely deranged. Yeah. That is absolutely yeah. deranged. By the way, could I just, just I'm going to do a complete sidetrack here. Mm. You guys said extraordinary a few times here someone pointed out that we're making fun of that because Terry used to say it someone pointed out I think you're fine Terry used to say it because she was taking the piss out of me because <laughs> yeah, I used to describe things is, as extraordinary so she used to go true. extraordinary oh, and she was yeah. actually doing me so what we're at now is I'm doing her Terry doing me that is, and it's just got yeah, very I mean, very that's meta that's a bit like Nolly actually because people are acting playing it's other wild. actors playing things I would yeah, also no, like to point totally out one other true. thing go one on. other thing and that's if you now go onto the Wikipedia entry of Bonjour class. I am now first oh, in the cast list. God, that's brilliant. James, please say you that didn't change it. Did you change yourself? For everyone listening who does understand, you've probably heard me talk about Bonjour class on the podcast before, but we talked about it on Pilot Plus last week. Someone has gone in and oh put me God. first build on the cast list. I tried to find I tried to find the episodes. Can you send me no, a link? No, on YouTube. No, I looked. Can you just We're doing Pilot Plus tomorrow morning. Your job tonight, Kay, <laughs> is to watch every episode okay, of Bonjour sure. class. Just watch Google it. I won't watch Happy Valley. I'll yes, watch that instead. that's it. Watch Fine. this instead. Okay. Of Happy Valley, right? Anyway, we were talking about balls <laughs> yeah. and Your Honor, and we can't talk about the context for anything. No, so. I'm checking out Bonjour La Classe. Oh my gosh, yeah. Okay, I was going to say, right? Yeah. Um, 
I um, haven't watched. I had didn't watch season <laughs> one. There you go, James Dyer, top build. Bonjour la class. I'm sorry. the star of the show. This sorry, is amazing. I, but but, but I'm, let me just say I'll get to go back to your. <laughs> but I'm just showing you the look. My this screener oh, letter okay. there. All the things my, we can't you can't. Say. You can't. You're kindly asked not to reveal the following spoilers. Michael Desiati starting the season. Dot dot dot. Yeah. So even so, all I'd say about the first scene, right? I want to. This, I want to <laughs> do want to warn viewers. It's really distressing. I thought that first scene. I, remember? Yeah. Yes. A I really hardcore, tough to watch things going on in that first scene. I think it is a clever, brutal first scene, which mm. is actually breathtaking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I agree. Which we can't uh, talk about. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, so this is an entirely pointless. This is a great review. I'm enjoying <laughs> it. New, new, new cast member Rosie Perez, who I yes. love in yeah, everything. Yes. Can't say who she's. Can't say what, what she she's does. doing. No. Can't say what she's doing. Are you kidding? No, of I'm course not, not because no. she's she's related to the yes, situation we exactly. can't discuss. Yeah. Exactly. So basically, plot wise, right? There's hardly anything we can say, but I this quite like that idea. No, no, no. But you're right. To, to the point you made about it totally felt like it was going to be a self-contained yeah. limited series but then the ending was so kind of like oh fuck what happens yeah, now yeah it all kicked off that it made sense to follow well, up and I also think Brian Cranston who I heard on a podcast recently he was on uh, talk, talked about he just was fascinated by the character so much yeah. and I think I was viewers were as well, well we when we were so we reviewed season one of this and I think our complaint from it is it, it was very very dour it was a very downbeat show okay fine <laughs> my complaint I'm sure it wasn't just my complaint I it was I a was massive downer and it was quite, it was quite a lot to get through. It was quite oppressive. It's a gritty drama, But also, it's it compounds thing upon thing because as you know, they always say it's not the crime that gets you; it's the cover up. And again, the whole thing was just him coming. Like I don't want to spoil the first season for people who haven't seen it, but but a lot goes on. It gets what was just like, oh my god, like this it spins this so far happening. out of control by the end. It was just, I mean, it was incredibly stressful to watch. Yeah, and yeah, then that, that final was episode was supremely stressful. So actually, I had to, I had to cite myself. And the first scene of the and then. The first scene of this was a lot, and I was like, yeah. "Oh my fucking god!" Uh, so yeah, it was. It, yeah, I've read criticisms in the American reviews when it did come out a while yeah. ago, saying that this has pushed it back to new levels of you know, kind of far fetched incredulity, basically. And the, the first season had moments that there were, were a bit much, definite right? moments. And I and I kind of agree that this it carries on in that vein. There are things like, "Oh really?" You know, <laughs> Although ironically, the thing that you think would be fake in the first episode that we can't talk about that scene with the bull is actually based on reality. That, so. that I can't get my head around. Yeah. that. I don't understand Google how that's legal. It, honestly. I know, you're right. But all I'd say is, again, it's not. It's a bit similar to Dear Edward, is it? <laughs> it's Dear Edward, yes. Dear, yeah. dear John. <laughs> dear Brian. Dear Brian. Yeah. Uh, dear James. Dear Kay. Is that um, it's so, it, it, the cast, Brian Cranston can fucking sell anything. He's yeah. so brilliant. And he he sells the extraordinary things that happen to him in this episode and the extraordinary lengths he goes to. And equally, you know, when you've got Hope Davis and Michael Stuhlbarg as yeah. the married heads of the mafia operation who are both absolutely awful people she's even worse than she is, is worse than I love. Is. Mm. she's fantastic he's like chewing the scenery she's chewing it even more um <laughs> And just that cast and the way it's filmed and the way it's put together, I, again, I just, I really enjoyed it. I'm really fascinated by it. And I'm definitely going to, and this is, I absolutely have to carry on watching this to see how they're all going to extricate themselves from the various From the various things that we can't tell you about. we can't so, tell you about, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, this is good. All reviews should be like this. Yeah. Where we just say, can't discuss anything. I would say as someone who hasn't watched the first season, they do a really good job of some, you know, just catch up. The recap, yeah. I thought yeah. the recap was Great really recap. good because yeah. you're instantly, I knew everything. Mm. I mean, it was complicated, of course, but yeah. like, I also really love the fact that essentially, you know, there's these three powerful women at war. There's Rosie Perez's character, who we can't say anything about. Yeah. And then there is the Big Mo, not to be confused with the character from EastEnders, played by Andreen Ward-Hammond, who's a 
the terrifying leader of the drug gang, and then the mafiosi mother who you just touched upon, yeah. Gina Baxter. And I just love that love that there's these two women who are like, you know, sort of instigating the untold violence and retribution and killings. And then Rosie Perez's character who is trying to stop that. Indeed. In 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 her capacity as <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> redacted, yeah. redacted, redacted. Uh, yes, yeah. I'm, I'm, this is this is exciting. I think we should try in all future reviews to reveal <laughs> as little information about shows that have aired months in advance uh, as possible. But uh, if you do not live in America, have not already seen this show, which has already aired in full, <laughs> I do not have <laughs> the like to make that crystal clear. <laughs> then you can find it here in the UK on Paramount Plus on Friday the third. Your Honor, then Your Honor, season two, which involves. A bull. Uh, <laughs> and that's the only thing we can tell you about it. Uh, also out this week is Hotel Portofino on Paramount Plus as well, which sees Natasha McElhone opening a posh hotel for Brits in Italy. But you can hear more about that one on Pilot Plus because it is embargoed, but that one drops on Thursday. What else is out this week, Boydie? Well, this second series of Kate's favourite show, Buffering, um, oh. on ITV2 mm. today. Uh, Can I Monday, just say, I'm not going to uh, say anything. It's created by Love Island narrator Ian Sterling, and um, it's a hilarious sitcom, All right. uh, James, which you probably wouldn't have watched yourself. I'm not going to say anything other than to say Boyd is being sarcastic. You don't enjoy the show. I may be being sarcastic. It's not for me. It's not for you. It's not for Kate. The Rookie is back on The Sky Witness and now on Thursday the second new season of that show which yes. is a massive hit in America. Blood and Treasure do you know about this on Sky Sci-Fi? Blood and Treasure? Blood and Treasure starts on Wednesday. Hang on. Yeah. There's a science fiction show called Blood and Treasure. There is. <laughs> and we didn't talking. review that. I know. I know. What's happening? I, 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 luckily I managed to avoid you even knowing about it until <laughs> now. It. It's, oh it's the second season. It's the second uh, season. That'll be why then. Uh, yeah that's why. United States of Tara which is a few years mm, old now is airing on ITVX. ITVX is showing that Tony Collette's brilliant mm-hmm. Tony Collette multiple personality disorder drama. I think that's it. I don't think there's much else on this week to be honest. No? no. Covering most of the stuff. What is our pick of this particular week? Oh, Nolly. Nolly. I mean, I haven't seen it. No. So yeah, I can't pick Nolly. Well, that's your own. But it sounds like it's the best show of that the week. That's your yes. own fault and you're now being punished. Try harder. Wow. Luckily, you can give us your full review on Pilot Plus maybe. Yeah, oh, if I can tonight. see it, yeah. well, if I see it tonight, yes, yeah. I could do it. When you say if I can see it, just log into your account. Oh, exactly. <laughs> it may or may not be. We do. We have not established that it the screener is in there. my account right. because no Tell one responded tomorrow. to my emails. Fine. Fine. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. They're that, busy people. That does does involve a bull? That's all I'm saying. No, it does involve. It does involve her with Fiona Fullerton being thrown out of a Bangkok strip club in episode three, which is almost as implausible, but did happen as well. Really? Yeah. Wow. Gosh. Yeah. There you go. Okay, right. Well, I guess that is it then for this week's show. If you would be so kind, we would, of course, appreciate five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to send thoughts to us directly, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, and at Kate Ribeiro, as well, obviously, as at Pilot TV Pod, where you can send your post-bag submissions. On next week's show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer herself, Sarah Michelle Gellar, will be joining us on the podcast. Plus, we'll get to see some, you know, other things, including the return of Netflix's creepy yet compelling stalker series, You. But that is, as Boyd has already said, embargoed so we will watch you on pilot plus and we will see you then pilot out <laughs>